Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse episode 376. I am Peter and I am not joined by Matt. It is his anniversary, uh, which is just inconsiderate, quite frankly. But uh, joining me instead, Connor is here to fill in the the reserve seat. The guest slot, if you will, that third seat. Yeah, two weeks in a row though, so claiming it back. <laughs> it's not like there's another person who takes the third seat any other time. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's the principle of it. Maybe I'll find someone just to make you feel jealous or something. Do you think I'll feel jealous? I think so. If we're really nice to them, they would say, oh, your opinions are so great. It's so much better on that corner. Yeah, see, the thing is, I'm never going to know that that's what you say, so it's fine. <laughs> I'll clip it. I'll send it to you. Uh, do you think I'll watch things you send me? I'll beam it. I'll 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 get I'll hire someone with a speaker to go outside your house and just blast it at the windows. <laughs> That's too much effort. Like say anything, but instead of romantic, more sheer spite. Yeah, that that's definitely more your speed. But mm. I think you're too lazy. I think that's the only thing stopping you. That's that's probably true. That's probably yeah. true. Uh, that said, the romance in that movie wasn't that convincing either, so I actually think the spate's more realistic, to be honest. Oh, it usually is, yeah. Anyway, as a DC Comics podcast, we get together, we talk about this week's DC books that we read. Coming up on this week's show, we have Catwoman 57, which was not out this week, but uh, I forgot to read it a couple of weeks ago, and it is actually like a part of the story. It's not just sort of related to the, the crossover. It is chapter 3 or 4, or whatever number it's on. Uh, but we also have Batman 138, which follows that up. Uh, Connor, for Patreon, had to read the Batman Catwoman Gotham more Red 2 issue 1, so that'll slot in there. We have Birds of Prey issue 2, Shazam issue 4, and um, we didn't have a lot of books this week, so there's a whole host of Patreon books. Connor's had some to catch up on, so he did Noctera 14. I'm doing the second half of American Vampire Anthology issue 1. Connor's got Tim Drake Robin 10 to finally cross off the list. And then I'll be rounded out with Batman and the Outsiders issue seven. So weird week. In fact, yeah. we have three new releases. Yes. Well, I'll still count Catwoman because it's still. I mean, I suppose, but I should probably count Red Hood as well. But yeah, I wasn't going to say that, but I was going to say we have more Patreon books than we do non-Patreon books, which is factually correct. That is, yeah. Uh, which is a weird week, but hey, we'll make the best of it, folks. And we'll say some silly shit, I assume. My cat just jumped up. So, uh, yes, that's what's coming up on the show this week. And I was I was pleasantly surprised when I was looking at the covers this week. Remember how I was saying last week I was going to go and work some of the legacy numbers out? They actually just did just it for Batman yeah. for me. They, they, they had the legacy number on Batman. Now, I did do it for some other ones, but I didn't need to do it for Batman. So, I appreciate DC pivoting to the, the legacy number superiority. It's not superiority, though, is it? That's why they still put the the actual number that, that they're selling it by on it. Oh, that's for the chumps. That's for the chumps. I don't want his starting number 582. <laughs> that's for those chumps. The real number is the legacy number. It's not, though, is it? It is, though. Why they're putting it there. But, but it's not. You can rebrand yourself as number one, but you're still hitting 30, Connor. You don't know that. <laughs> oh, I think I do. I think I, I do. Uh, I'm, but I'm not 30, am I? So it's all good. <laughs> not for long. So, uh, hey. uh, you, you're already like mid-30s, so I'm good. 
Yeah, but no one cares. Like, see when you're in the middle of the, the, the decade of numbers, you don't really care. You're, you're not close enough to either end to really give a shit. But you're at that cusp of actually it mattering, so it's funnier to, Does matter. to pester you. So yes, uh, that's what's coming up on the show. Uh, I could not find a single lick of DC news, to be honest. And I looked. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't look, but I will have like a, a very brief 10 second skim. Because you never, you never know. I, yeah, I only looked on Newsarama to be fair, but I could not see anything. Uh, there, there was just absurd. Like some of the articles on there. This is not DC related specifically, but some of the articles just boggle my mind. Like a new episode of Gen Veal came out. It'll be like, hey, did you notice this Easter egg that told you something about a character in the boys? And I'm like, yeah, it wasn't hidden in the background. It was a news report that was like playing in front of the camera like it's not an easter egg it's just paying attention you dolts oh i found some news oh what's the news remember how last week we were talking about how jsa the issues have been delayed oh yeah 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 they've been delayed again that's not that surprising yeah uh issue nine is now scheduled till the for the 30th of january yeah, but that's not next though at least no we had six last month yeah so we got seven and eight before january at least Seven is now scheduled for the fourteenth of November, which has slipped another another week or two since last week. It's basically an every other month comic now. Like, I'll I'll just make my peace with it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, that'll be three months between issues, I think. By the time that the comes last, out, the last yeah. issue was September. Well, maybe two. It depends when in September it was, I suppose. Yeah, it's closer to two than three, I think. Oh, well, yeah, that's assuming this doesn't slip anymore. Uh, well, no, but we can't predict the future. Uh, hey, uh, I can feel a pretty good guess at predicting the future with this one. The uh, the amount that this has already been pushed. I feel safe in predicting the future, though. We get pushed again. Possibly. Well, oh. I mean, I th- and there there was there was news. There was a comic announced. Was there? I didn't see yeah, that. Yeah, there was a, there was a one shot. Um, for Wonder Woman's Trinity. Okay. Uh, by Tom King, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I'm just trying to find the actual news on it because I know I saw this. Uh, That's the legend news. It was news. It, it it's a thing. I've got a headline, but they're not actually giving me the the information in this article because it's on that shitty website. But I promise you, it was a thing. It's coming in January. Ah, Trinity Special One coming 30th of January. Um, you're telling me who's in the covers, but you're not telling me who's writing it. That's uh, that's I'm, so weird. I'm usually I type Trinity One Shot into Google, and it's giving me hair products. Apparently, there's a brand that's really close enough to that name. Trinity One Shot Protein Repair. It's a thing. Anyway, huh. uh, well there you go. That's I mean we don't usually do the news first. I it's, mean. Uh... Right, so it is just by Tom King and uh, art with Sampier and Ortega. I thought you were about to correct me on the hair product there for a second. Uh, but no, that's, uh, I guess we're stuck in a bit of news, even though that usually goes after the Comixology Top hey, 10. You started it by saying you skimmed and there was no news. I was just so making I the note before I, before I started the itinerary of the show. That's all. And then you had to be like, hey, I'm going to go look for news. Just semi-interesting, because I did see this during the week. It's not really news, but it is DC-related. 
Brian Hitch talking about why uh, his Superman comic with Mark Wade is incredibly late. Because uh, obviously we had issue one uh, a couple of months ago. Mm-hmm. And um, he's not even started working on issue two yet. Uh, it wasn't supposed to be released as far as he's concerned. Um, like they, they, you know, it was all contacted. He was like, yeah, I'll do it. Um, then there was, but it was like something he was doing in the background. He'd finished issue one and then he went over to work on uh, Gods for Hickman. You know, I think, is it Gods? The, the, the one that we, he just did. And, you know, we were talking about, oh, it was like the four issues that were all oversized. And we were like, oh, there's no way that was all. Mm. Um, yeah. Um, so he worked on all of that before he even touched issue two of this uh, Superman book. Uh, and he's really confused. You know, he was put on Twitter. He's like, I don't know why they published issue one. There was clearly some misunderstanding. They, don't, you know, they knew it, that it was going to be this late. Uh, he said probably sometime early next year will be the, the when he's ready with the next issue. I mean, it's not a really big deal. It just sounds like a, you know, either someone didn't get the memo and just like solicited it and put it out without thinking because it was ready. And it was supposed to actually be held back until at least issue two was also in the can or something, you know, so that they were all closer together. But I mean, it's not the end of the world. But yeah, it's just one of those weird. I, I wonder if there's like there was like a a legal obligation to publish it by a certain date. Like you know, we, it, it's got to be in this quarter to so we can say we hit targets, sort of thing. Uh, maybe I don't know. I, you know we, uh, maybe it was something to do with Wade's. DC contract since he came back is you know we, you know we published X amount of your books. I mean, I mean these could be true, but like honestly, I think just general incompetence is probably is the most believable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there is that as well. Uh, some intern just put it on the pile to be published, and that that was it. That's it. It's off to the printers. Um, all right, but yeah, we do have the comicsology top ten. Connor keeps trying to pivot us. I do, I do, but it's not one going day, to happen. One day it'll work. Not on my watch, you miserable little shit. We're going to look at the top books as of right now in comicsology for Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, as per comicsology US. So, uh, what do you think the number one book is from Tuesday? Uh, Batman. I mean, you only really had three. Real choices. Oh, no, 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 just because we only read three. There was more. DC published more than three. Oh, yeah, but none of the other things they published were like, the, like the top three are the ones we read. The other ones never had a chance. I'm sorry, did you hey. think Fire and Ice was going to outsell Batman? No. But Blue Beetle could have outsold Shazam. Not a chance. It, it, I, I don't think it did. I'm just saying it could have done. It's a very dedicated fan base. They had a uh, movie. All the Mark Wade books recently. have been selling quite healthy as far as these top 10 rankings have been going. Uh, I, 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 no, I will, I will argue Poison Ivy could have sold more than Shazam. Could have. No, it's, no, it couldn't have. It doesn't sell that well digitally. It does well physically because of the covers. It's quite low in the digital oh, yeah. sales. That makes sense. It's not even in the top 10, Connor. So that statement... Just... Wow, not even in the top 10 on this week. On this week. In fact, you'll be surprised <laughs> at a couple of things that are in the top 10 this week. So number one is Batman as we've established. Number two is Birds of Prey. Number three is Shazam, right? Makes sense. It's the three biggest books. <laughs> you know, it's the three that we approved of because we read these three. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not that I really want it to be on the record that I approve of this Batman issue necessarily, but you know what I mean. I uh, definitely do not. <laughs> uh, number four is the new Golden Age reprint. <laughs> Digitally. Yes. 
I... It has some extras or something, I don't know. I don't know what else is in it. People baffle me. People do. Number five is Fire and Ice. Number six is Joker, the man who stopped laughing. Which I, I'm shocked that's still going. Uh, number seven is Blue Beetle. Number eight is DC's Ghouls Just Wanna Have Fun, which is a great title. This is a horror anthology one-shot for October this year. Uh, number nine is Peacemaker Tries Hard. Number 10 is the Justice Society of America, like, reprint of issues one through three, which, again, I'm not even sure why they even do the reprints digitally, unless they do have, like, a little bit of extra content, which I guess they can market yeah. as. But, yes, so those things all outsold Poison Ivy, which is number 11. That's sad. Uh, I mean, I think it's sad, and I don't care about the Poison Ivy, but... Look, reprints of books aren't it's not even like the reprints of classic issues these are reprints of books that were out in the last year or so like they yeah. should not be out selling a new comic but hey here we are uh, and then quite quickly after that obviously we're in trades and things uh, volume 3 of the, the Batgirls run uh, I assume the final volume given that it was only about 19 issues uh, is out this week and that's there um, there's a Dragon Age collection out well, which one? Uh, the Missing I don't know what the collection is off the top of my head, but okay. I I tend to just pick up the uh the library editions of those because they're really nice. Yeah, Dark Horse is amazing at their library volumes. You know, they are, they are oversized deluxes. Yeah, there's they a are, deceased deluxe edition. There's a Witcher omnibus out. It's a bunch of things. So very good. Uh, right, hold on. What day am I on here? Where's my Wednesday? Why is there a bunch of old Wolverine issues on Tuesday's rankings at the bottom? I don't understand why that uh, is. But... There was a sale. Oh, I guess that makes sense, yeah. But yeah, I don't know, I've just thought... I don't think I've seen the sales and fest, the rankings, on this since it changed to Amazon Comicsology. That's true. That's, just, uh, that's why well, it never even occurred to me that that was the, the result. Probably because the sales aren't as good. Oh, this is interesting. What do you think number one was from Wednesday? I'm going to go out on a punt and say it's not X-Men. Because, of, I don't what? Know wh because what of what I just two... said. <laughs> no, no, no. But I, th I think that there are two really interesting for different reasons number ones that I think th potentially could both be outselling X-Men. I don't... Uh, you're going to, you know, prove me wrong now. But could. Um, the most likely one that, that is first is, is Gods, isn't it? That is not number one. Uh, and then please, please let it be Transformers. It is Transformers. What, what? I'm pleasantly surprised. What, why is Transformers number one? I don't understand. I mean, I see it's uh, Daniel it's Warren a, Johnson who, you know, I like. This is, but... this is the reboot Transformers that's part of that, um, the new Kirkman shared universe with their ah. Void Rivals, which is the book that's been going for like three or four months now. And there's going to be a G.I. Joe book launched in this universe as well in a few months. I'm still kind of surprised it's outselling x-men books though i, I am like, as well which is why i'm like I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised i mean it's only issue one i'm sure it'll probably dip a bit you know as the, the regular yeah, issues but it has on, that, but... that that kirkman name attached even though he's not writing it it's his you know it's done through sky brand sky skybound sorry his uh his little imprint he's the one spearheading this shared universe and i'm sure he'll be doing a crossover at some point it definitely feels like that's part of why it's doing Probably better than every other Transformers book ever. 
Yeah, I appreciate the effort, but like as much as they try to mix G.I. Joe with Transformers, I'm just never going to care about G.I. Joe in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> but... I agree. But I, I've not read the last issue of Void Rivals yet, but I really enjoyed the first three. So I'm probably going to pick up this Transformers as well, just because well, I'm, maybe I'll try the G.I. Joe. I'll probably be is, bored. Uh, is Void Rivals like a new thing that's set in this universe that he's created? Yeah. Yeah, because it sounds uh, good. I, yeah, it was one. It's a whole new thing, and it was one of those where it kind of revealed, at you know, like two thirds through the fir- the first issue, that hang on, the, the, there's Transformers, like you know, the, the, there's, there's other. Well, what the hell's going on here? Because it was this surprise thing. And so you're saying the, that issue the, was more than meets the eye? Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, uh, number two was God's issue one, though. So that does not surprise me because Hickman and also. Ten dollars. Ugh. Every issue is ten dollars. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not a Hickman guy, so I, don't, I'll, I can happily ignore it. It's fine. Uh, number three is X Men twenty seven. Number four is Immortal X Men issue sixteen. Number five is X Force forty five. So clearly, the X Men line doing very well for Marvel is is their top selling yeah, thing. Almost. I think it's really interesting that they're still. I don't know how, how much they kind of commit to it, but they're they're teasing the end of the Krakoa stuff is coming up right now, like they're in the swing of the final phase allegedly. Given how well they're still selling in the Krakoa stuff, I don't know how if they'll actually follow through with that. I mean, there's always the idea that you can go even higher with a fresh relaunch, assuming the relaunch grabs everyone uh, with a good creator, you know. In theory, yes, but given how consistently and how really well these are selling. I don't know if they're going to want to risk that. But they were selling well before that as well, though. Mm, not like this. Uh, they were selling okay. Eh. I mean, they have to move on at some point. So, like, I think the, the, the greed of wanting to go bigger every time, you know, it's just the same thing we keep seeing with, with all big companies, everything has to be bigger, and I think they'll, they'll see a, a fresh jumping on point is the chance to be bigger. Of course, the risk of that, and it always turns out to be the case, is it also ends up being a jumping off point for a lot of people who were invested beforehand, if they don't like where things change or where things are going. Yeah. Uh, number six is Star Wars The High Republic something, 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 the title's too long. Uh, number- That's the new issue on. It is... I'll just quickly grab it, because I just saw it. Uh, Shadows of Starlight. Yeah, there's about ten lightsabers on the cover, just to make all you Star Wars uh, perverts. It's, uh, yeah, it's get, got Yoda front and center. Yeah, get turned on. Yes, yes. One of the most overrated Star Wars characters. It's, it's actually just, uh, I know you don't care, but <laughs> this comic's relatively interesting from a, a High Republic publishing point of view, because uh, this is kicking off Phase 3 of the High Republic stuff. Uh, which is interesting because both the first two phases kicked off with a a novel. Like they had like, okay, this is the novel that starts it, like the mainline novel, and then you had the young adult novels and the the comics kind of branching off from that. Uh, but this time they've started with the comic, which is kind of interesting that they're shaking it up at this point. So within Star Wars is the High Republic. Within that, there's three phases. This is getting to that stage where no, it it makes perfect sense when you because like okay. I'm just saying it it's get it's inching towards that anime thing of having like a season four part two part one. 
No, because High Republic is just a time period. It's just, uh, this is all this, you know, X amount of hundreds of years ago, and we're just using High Republic to designate that, and then this is the story within that, and it's just broken up into, you know, the storytelling periods as Phase 1, 2, and 3. I'll just call it Star Wars Long Ago. I mean, the t- I mean it's right there in the opening crawl. Because <laughs> what if you want to go longer ago, and then... Uh... <laughs> uh, then you just add a more longs. Long, long time ago. Yeah, yeah, this this gets out of hand real quick. Uh, uh, number seven is Fantastic Four 12. Number eight is Doctor Strange issue eight. Number nine is The Sacrificers issue three, which is Rick Remender's image book. And then ah. number 10 is Darth Vader. So, uh, yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, I guess it's an interesting top 10 for Wednesday in that two non-Marvel books were one and two, and then another couple snuck in, or at least another one snuck in before the bottom. No, no, Gods is Marvel. Is it? Yeah. Oh, it didn't look like a Marvel book from a glance, but okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, it's Hickman doing Cosmic Marvel, Doctor Strange. There's a character on the cover. Oh, it's Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange, yeah. I couldn't tell till I clicked on it and make it bigger. It just, it just looked like a guy in a red coat to me from a from a distance. All right, fair I enough. Mean, yeah. There's there's two non-Marvel books, at least, and one of them is number one. That's, that's notable. Uh, that is still notable, and the, the most disappointing thing is... Godzilla, here there be dragons, not cracking the top ten. Because that book's great. What else we got? We got a new Power Rangers spin-off out this week called Ranger Academy. So we've got a Power Rangers school comic book. Uh, that could be fun. So that's a thing. Uh, the, there's a new... Oh, Alien Annual, sorry. I was going to say it's a new Alien book, but it's just the annual to the... Uh, yeah, I think series. it's like four or five issues in, I think, the main book. Yeah. Uh, I read the first one or two, and it was all right. It, it wasn't doing anything special or unique for Alien, but it was if you wanted just like another alien romp it was doing the it was hitting all the beats my, it's on my list to get to i think there's two star trek books out this week which is interesting uh there's a strange new worlds book i'm seeing and... yeah and defiant oh yeah i see it there yeah uh yeah christopher cantwell and mike johnson respectively so okay okay interesting stuff um I've never read a Transformers comic. Maybe if this is getting a lot of buzz, maybe I should try it. But uh, that said, though, I, I do have the wounds from watching all of the movies earlier this year, which did not leave me in a Transformers mood. Yeah, shall I I've say. also never really read a Transformers, but Daniel Warren Johnson. It's it's that and thing. I, like his art is just like, oh, that's enough to make me want to read it alone. Now I realize that we are starting to feel old compared to what the kids like these days. But just to make people who are a little bit older than us feel old. Transformers was just a little bit before, like my time, really. You know, when it was at its height, like oh, for the the cartoon, for the yeah. card, yeah, for the original G one cartoon and all that stuff. Like that was just before my time. Like yeah. it was vaguely around still, obviously in repeats and things. But the height of everyone getting Transformers toys was kind of done, and I was kind of you know, I, I was and it, we were more Power Rangers kids, Turtles and Power Rangers. Turtles obviously was a bit of overlap between the generations, but. Yes, uh, I agree. That... I, I, I kind of, I, I mainly say Power Rangers because I think it was more comparable with the toys. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, the Zords obviously directly just one to one almost just compared yeah, exactly. to Transformers. Exactly. So I think in, in terms of the toys that yeah, we were grabbing, it was the Zords as opposed to the Transformers. Yeah, I think I had the first four sets of Zords by the time I stopped getting Power Rangers toys. Oh, I couldn't tell you. I had quite a lot. I don't, I... Know what, I don't remember what was what at this point. I had the originals, I had the Thunder Zords, which was the second season, then the Ninja Zords, which was the third season slash the movie, and then I had the... 
uh oh, what were they called the shogun czars it was like halfway through season three they got like czars that were all human shaped but they they kind of they went together in a cool way that was they, 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 i think the megazord almost looked the best because it was this unique like design that all sort of felt like it fit together better as opposed to the, like the other ones where it was like oh here's just like a weird different shapes going out of different parts uh yeah. but that's i think that's where i that was the last set i ever got just because i was getting a bit older and moved mm-hmm. on to more grown-up things like i don't know what i was watching after power like rangers that, I don't know. I think when Power Rangers was done, I went through a little phase of thinking all stuff like that was a bit kiddie. And then when I was about 13, I started to come back around and was like, oh, wait, no, Batman's kind of cool. I, I think everyone has that, especially with even with things like, like anything cartoon, like even like Disney movies or Pixar movies. There's, there's a point where you're like, no, I'm too old for those. And then you come back around, you know, in your, your late teens or whatever and be like, no, I'll just watch whatever I actually want to watch. Yeah, yeah. There's obviously, some stuff doesn't hold up and is a bit kiddy, but yeah, other things. Just, were... uh, looking at what else is out, there's a, a Ghost Law issue five, which I'd not I've not been on my radar till now, but you know, I just it's a cool name and a cool cover. And I had a glance at it, and it's a uh, Leo Max on art. Like, oh, oh okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, oh, interesting. Colin Bone writing, which is a little bit less exciting, but Leo Max. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I'll tell you, now that we're in October, I've had such a busy goddamn week. Um, it, between recording two or three times with Tim a week for Screams After Midnight, uh, still recording with Tara for the time being, and trying to keep, like, a TV review going out every day, plus Gen V started with three damn episodes that I had to squeeze in somewhere, I've just been, I've been, like, recording and editing, like, keeping up with the editing especially, it's to make sure all the the movie episodes because there's so many streams going out are already in time it's just been you know I, i've barely touched a video game this past week i've not watched any movies that weren't for shows it's been yeah well, I've, been, I've, I've been reading quite a few horror books i've done i'm on my fifth horror book already of the month Ooh, there. Uh, yeah um and i've been reading some Junji Ito comics, uh, his uh, adaptation of Frankenstein, Re- hmm. really good. And then on there, watching the new Castlevania, uh, Nocturne, you know, the, the animated on Netflix, really bloody good. Yeah, um, I mean, we were recording this on the Friday just because it was us instead of me and Matt, uh, so I, I guess I kind of have an easier day tomorrow, but then not really, I've still got things that I should be preparing, so I'll probably feel guilty and do some work anyway. Uh, I feel like I do really need a day where I'm just lazy all day, though. I've I've been, yeah. I'm I for me like the uh, oh you don't care about the the new Call of Duty Modern Warfare Three beta just started tonight. I managed to play one game earlier before I had to go out, and then I had to come back and read all the comics. So I really want to jump in and you know actually play a few games on that while the beta's open this weekend. Well, you can all hear more about that if you're a Patreon over at patreon.com slash TV because me and Connor do a monthly video game podcast. Episode 3 yes. will be coming up in, I don't know, a couple of weeks. Well, yeah, it's a few weeks away from now still. Yeah, but... it, it is, but I, I will have things to say on this. You know, obviously, the game won't be out till next month, but I will, I will have things to say just based off of probably quite a few hours in this beta by the end of the weekend. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into the comics then. Uh, we'll start with Catwoman issue 57, which actually came out two weeks ago. This is Teeny Howard and Nico Leon on the art. 
this is the you know this was a chapter of the of the crossover it's not just like the stories in batman and then catwoman's like a side story it's very much it picks up from the cliffhanger from batman which was vandal savage's bot wayne manor uh, which came out of nowhere i don't know how you felt about that reveal yeah there was no setup whatsoever for that it was just yeah sure vandal savage that's what we're doing yeah, and obviously by the time we get to this week's issue of Batman, it feels like it's pivoting to be more about him than it is almost anything yeah, else. And <laughs> it's true, because so I think one of the, the moments I relatively speaking liked in the first issue, well, second part, the Bat the Batman issue, mm -hmm. is the idea that, oh hey, someone's bought Wayne Manor out because you weren't paying attention. Um I, I quite like that being a surprise to us as well, because that you know, that that puts you on the same level as him. I, I feel like, though, if it's going to be someone as notable as Vandal Savage, you have to have him doing other things first and being around, like, you know, establish the idea of him yeah, as yeah, opposed yeah. to just throw him in out of nowhere. Yeah, it was such an out of nowhere thing. And it, the big thing for me, because we've not really, you've, you've not been on since this crossover started. Well, you were on last week, but we weren't talking about it then because we hadn't read yeah. any issues from it, is I think the concept of what Batman Catwoman were supposed to be actually does on paper, sound quite good. In that, Catwoman's done something different than Batman that's actually put crime down. It's actually maybe a solution that Batman's just not okay with, and the rest of the Bat family kind of have to like weigh up, like, do they think this is okay? They pick sides? You know, conflict arises, okay? Eventually, yeah, Catwoman's method's going to prove to be problematic down the line for some reason or other, and it'll come to a crashing halt. But as a as a think piece, as a sort of challenge to Batman's like code and logic and how he fights things, it's an interesting prod at that armor to worth telling a story about. The problem is the execution uh, and how quickly everyone here is just getting angry and fighting and all that stuff. More so, we'll talk, we'll talk about that more in the Batman issue because that's it's more yeah, it comes up more in that one. I I don't think I even like it conceptually because it just it falls flat. Like at the very first hurdle for me, um, the idea of okay, well, she can train them to be these master criminals, then just train them with employable skills. <laughs> uh, like, <laughs> like you, you, you can eliminate crime and get and it train them to be part of you know a productive workforce at the same time instead of just being like, well, it's just a it's a it's a less bad crime, it's fine. Like, it makes no sense to me, and and then every character just being like completely just wildly out of, out of character for me. Oh, they are. Like... No, this is my biggest problem with it. Is so many of the voices just feel wrong for who's speaking at any given time. Characters jump into anger. You kind of have like a get out with Batman to an extent because they're kind of teasing that it's actually Zura and R who's kind of creeping in I... and taking over. But honestly, I think the only person who's been completely in character is Damien. <laughs> well, uh, well, where he's like, no, absolutely not. We, you know, no, no, you know, like, no hesitation. Just like you know, we are not giving them an inch. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's fully just Damian one hundred and one. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. But just to stick to Catwoman for now. So, Batman's not happy about Vandal. Vandal kicks him out. Uh, Batman cries at his parents' graves and apologizes for losing the manor. I thought uh, there's a panel here where he's like, he's kneeling over and he's saying, "I shared her home with these." with others, blah, blah, blah. I thought he looked especially like the animated series Bruce Wayne there, because he's got his curl off. Something about the hair. Yeah, I, I think, think it's the really it's the really square head at the top, is what it is. Yeah. 
So I don't know, it just stuck out to me. Um, so I'm just the problem is, is I read this in Batman back to back, and I don't want to keep them separate for the sake of the reviews getting cut up. <laughs> so I'm just looking ahead. Uh, so Catwoman's rallying the troops. Uh, she's got her whole guild. She's got in Red Hood, and they're going to do a a little. Maybe heist isn't the right word, but they're going to steal a bunch of cars. There's a fancy gala going on at the the ballet or something like that, and they're going to valet the cars and steal them as they do so. So Jason's helping out all the the thief recruits. Batman shows up. They have a bit of a scuffle. Um, Catwoman's in, sort of watching the ballet and commenting on the story and. Clearly, it makes her think of her and Bruce because she gets a tear in her eye at one point, and she's like, oh, "It's just like me and Bruce, and how he's stubborn, and but we have this fire between us, and yada yada yada." Um, and there's a bit of a chase between Bruce and Jason, where there is a funny moment here where Jason says, uh, he, "He can't catch me." Yeah, it's short of maybe grapple hooking me, but that would like maybe kill me, so he won't do that. Very next panel, grapple hook <laughs> pulls him back yeah. off the bike. Uh, so that was a little bit amusing uh, and they keep having their fight and it's yeah like I will say because the Catwoman issue doesn't have as many of the Bat family members in it the problem of having so many characters feel out of character didn't come up as much in this one just because it was Bruce and Jason and very few of the others for any extended period of time yeah and I also as much as I'd, I I've don't like Teeny Howard's right? not specifically in this issue, but just in general. Yeah. Um, the art in this book is gorgeous. Oh, the, yeah, the art's good. And that was true. The, the first issue she ever did, which had a good artist, was like, I yeah. think it was this one. Yeah. I, I think it was the same artist, yeah. But it, it looked great, and we were all like, oh, this looks gorgeous, but we just don't like the writing. It's just that yeah. simple. Uh, Vandal shows up to the ballet and dances with Selena a little bit, uh, and does a little bit of quid pro quo, if you will, yeah. with her. Um, so just kind of teases that he's still doing stuff the big thing that happens here though is that bruce effectively kidnaps jason and takes him back to his lair which is fine okay he takes him back to the lair but what happens next though is where i think we're going to have some <laughs> debates about yeah and okay you can tell me that zero and r is the one that's actually doing it but there has to I, I just i just know that when this is all wrapped up right even if they're all kind of cold with each other for a while I just don't believe that there's going to be real consequences for the fact that Batman tries to... <sighs> Brainwash isn't the right word, because it's not quite that, but he gives Jason his own mix of like fear toxin, and it's designed to kick in fear whenever he's getting too emotional or wants to it do violence. It was high adrenaline, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. And, which, actually, I've got a very easy thing to compare this to, actually. You're not going to like this, Connor. It's a lot like... No, no, it's not. <laughs> in the hit television show, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, when a certain vampire gets a chip put in that kicks in whenever he wants to bite people, and it stops him. Ah, see? I can see it in his face. He knows I'm right. He knows I'm right. I hate you. <laughs> oh, it's the exact same also, thing. Other than just the, uh, the reveal of what this actually is is in the, is in the Batman issue. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, well, okay. Uh, you it, know just, it, it ends with, oh, you know, Jason being like, oh, what did you do? Uh, and Batman, uh, nothing I'm proud of. And then we get a couple of pages of Selena. And the rest is in the next issue. Yeah. All right. Maybe, maybe on YouTube, these two will just go together as one thing. Because <laughs> <Like>, I, <laughs> I yeah. thought that was this issue. Damn it. <laughs> no. Which, uh, pros and cons of crossovers like this. Pro, 
it's very uh, consistent, right? It just flows right into each other and makes a good overall uh, yeah, reading experience. I, that, that's, that's a positive, I suppose, yeah. Uh, the negatives, if you're only reading one of these books originally, you are absolutely forced into picking these up, otherwise you are missing so much. Yeah, I mean, I obviously this is only because I had to read them in the same week. When, when originally I would have read this two weeks ago, I just completely... Because it was that sort of thing when I looked at the list two weeks ago, and I just skipped past Catwoman because I don't read Catwoman. Catwoman, yeah. Uh, and, I, and it wasn't until we were about to start the show I went, oh shit, Catwoman's the crossover issue. I was meant to read that this week. but it was, right. it, And that's the sort of thing where, okay, you, you, you read digitally, it's not that big a deal. If you were a, a physical reader and you forgot and you know, your shop didn't pull it aside for you for whatever reason, maybe, maybe you don't have a pull list, maybe you just go in and grab what you want every week because hmm. you, you grab, maybe, maybe you only really get the, the, the regular books, you know, the big ones that they, they tend to have shelf copies of. Yeah. You didn't grab Catwoman because you didn't realize, oh, now you're in trouble. Yeah, yeah. So the cliffhanger at the end of this issue of Catwoman is that... The woman, one of the women that's been working with with Selena, um, Marquise, I think her name was. Uh, yeah. She is revealed to actually be someone else. She turns out to be Scandal Savage. Which can I just jump in and say at this juncture before we say anything about this reveal is how stupid the name Scandal Savage has always been and always will be. Yeah, but that's what happens when you get named by a caveman. Because I, 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 like she says her name Scandal here, but she doesn't say her full name, or he says it maybe. So next issue, then the Batman issue, when when she says I'm actually Scandal Savage, I went, how can you say that with a straight face? <laughs> how? Yeah, that's that's fair. I don't think it, it is a stupid name. Yeah, and this actually just ties in directly to what the cliffhanger is in the next the the Batman issue. So. Uh, I guess we'll get to that. I guess since we're bundling these, we don't have to worry about uh, not just moving on to the Batman issue. <laughs> so Batman, yeah. of course, is Chip Zarsky and uh, Jorge Jimenez. Uh, so, yeah. So the big... Well, I, I want to just kind of jump to the end of this one first, to be honest, to deal with the cliffhanger. Uh, we'll go back and talk yeah. about all the fighting Batman does with the Bat family. Is So there's, well, this is a longer issue because there's usually a backup, but they've given the entire page count to just the the story right there's no well, that and the awful sandman preview oh yeah i wasn't including that in the page no, i mean i, I no, was part of the page count, but i mean I, I i accidentally skimmed through it like three times and i'm annoyed at how how goddamn rosmo it is <laughs> uh, uh i'm still reading it next week but yeah because it's still Sandman. I have to, I have to give it a try. Anyway, so there's a bookend here with uh, Vandal Savage talking about the meteor, and he's he's basically explaining that his powers have been waning over the years because the meteor is all split up, and he's been wanting to for a long time put all the pieces back together because that'll sort of give him more power than he's ever had. And part of the the bookends is that he goes to uh, Razal Ghul and he kind of wants a shot at the Lazarus Pit to see if that'll help him, and it doesn't, and basically it seems that this is all getting into motion because Raz al Ghul is dead. So it ties into recent continuity because Raz is dead and he was the one that was keeping all these pieces apart because Raz doesn't want a world full of immortals. He likes being the only immortal. Well, one of a few. Well, one of a few. But you know what I mean? Like, he, yeah. he doesn't want suddenly everyone to live forever because that would just create more problems for the world. And he's probably right. It would be a problem in the long run, for sure, if no one was dying. But... 
he so that, that's the bookend and that's why he's doing things and the biggest part of the meteor is in gotham and that's why he's doing everything right but the big cliffhanger at the end of the, the main part of the story is that scandal comes out and talks to all the thieves that selena's been training and reveals that you've not been training to work for selena you've been training to be a league a league of shadows and it's like okay so you this was building an army for vandal savage this whole thing like again if you go back to the concept the idea of Batman and Catwoman kind of pitting the Bat family in this awful place where they have to like pick a side or like consider what's going on, right? If you're going to do a story about that, then do a story about that. This just turned out to be a Vandal Savage is like secretly like behind everything and is going to try and take over everything and that's what gets everyone working together. Just feels really generic to me because it it robs them of actually having to answer any of the questions they're raising in the main oh, yeah, part of the they plot. They will just avoid it all entirely now. Yeah, because now now it's just going to be about stopping him, and they're just going to sort of move past everything else. Other than the fact that Batman's acting way out of character, and they're all kind of acknowledging that. I assume that does have consequences, but that's because it's, they've been building to that since the failsafe arc. Like it's all been about Batman going off the deep end. They have, but this this issue, I I think it's in this issue again. Like you, you think you had it bad reading these two back to back? I read four <laughs> issues of this bloody event all at once. <clears throat> um, maybe it's not in this issue. Uh, there's the bit where he's like talking to Zuranar, like in the cave. Oh came yeah, that up. was yeah, that was the last Batman or something like that. Okay. Yeah. Um, it, which very strongly you know, wants to imply that he <clears throat> has Zuranar under control still, right? If he's in, if he's caged up, or at least he believes he does. It does, but there's definitely a moment in this where you see a couple of bubbles coming in, as if he's like in his head, whispering or whatever. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah, because then we get to the Jason thing that we're already kind of getting to, which was the that he is now being controlled or inhibited at least when he does feel any kind of adrenaline to stop him from being a murderer. And this just feels like he's taking his choice. And you know, I think Jason even says this isn't you. Like you know, you are Batman and you're you're pretty controlling, but this is not what you do. And obviously, when the others eventually find out, well, at least Dick finds out by the end. Uh, he's pretty horrified at what he's done. But so Dick's got like the the central back computer, uh, not in his place. It's actually it's the apartment that Bruce's dad lived in when he was at medical school. I just like to say the lettering for this thing is horrific. Oh, it, do you know what's so I funny? Hate it. Do you know what's so funny about the lettering to this computer? Is that when it first started saying stuff, I actually didn't realize it was in English and that I was supposed to be able to read it. I just skipped I past. Exact same. Yeah. I, I I thought it was just computer gobbledygook, and then it wasn't until a couple of pages later that I went, "Oh wait, no, it's actually in English. I can read it." <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is awful lettering. Um, uh, it's it is legible just about once you know you're supposed to be reading it, but you have to work to read it. Oh yeah, you strain a bit to really focus on and it. There's someone else has a very. I think it's Barbara. It's when she's over the comms has a a similar font with the purple. Uh, but it's just no. She's got the green. Not... She's Oracle. Oh. Yeah, some someone has a purple. It's a an R you're thinking of. Oh, maybe it is. Yeah, that's what you're thinking of. Yeah, because but... Oracle's had that signature green. Uh, you know, you're right. Tom's has, yeah. bubble for ages now. Uh, the, yeah, the, there is because there's one that's like on the same page as that that computer at one point. Where it's the same like style, like you know, purple, but just solid lettering, as opposed to the awkward broken up, and it's so much easier to read, and it's like, it's amazing the difference it makes. 
Yeah, so, so Dick accesses this computer, which intentionally Batman gave Dick access to in case Batman ever needs to be shut down. And this does sound like Bruce, to be fair. This sounds like, you know, Tower of Babel, but for himself, right? This is, you know, something that will disconnect him from all his stuff. I found it. It was the Riddler message. Oh, okay. Fair enough. That had it, yeah. That makes sense. Um, you know, th- th- this makes sense. This is something, you know, when Batman's arguing that he has to have a kill switch for Superman and the other Justice League members, he does equally agree that he should have one too. And the idea that he's given it to Dick makes a lot of sense. You know, that like, Dick's yeah. the one who can shut him down. So he goes to do this, but Damien shows up and he's still very pro what Batman's up to right now. Although, to be fair, he doesn't really know about Jason, I don't think. <laughs> I think no, he's... he's just pro the, the he's, he's not pro Batman, he's anti-Selena's plan. Yeah, maybe that's a better way of putting it. Uh, and then Tim shows up. I will say there were one or two things I liked in these exchanges. Uh, primarily when Tim's like fighting Batman and says that, "Hey, I became Robin because I recognized that you needed to be saved," and I, you know, I'm seeing that again now. I, I, I did think that was a good callback to their kind of their past. Uh, and then there's maybe one or two exchanges uh, between some of the other Robins. But I think the big thing for me is that a lot of the time the voices do feel wrong. It feels like Dick gets way too angry and way too... We have to, you know, take Batman down. Uh, you know, like, they talk about Batman like he's a psychopath in a way that I don't think he's quite earned yet. Uh, maybe, maybe once they find out what he's done to Jason, I could maybe see why Dick would be upset at that. But yeah. it does kind of feel like everyone just gets too aggro way too easily. And... It just, yeah, it's 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 kind of weird. It's it, it just all feels a little bit off, and I felt it the same way back in like either the one shot or the the issue that came after, where they were having that big meeting with Selina, and she explains what she's doing, and like some of the way that the Batman just kind of quickly started yelling at people just kind of felt like too quick. Like I get that he wouldn't like it. I I understand absolutely that he would be against it, uh, but he. He's, he's very quickly went into this paranoid delusion of like, oh, my family. Like, was it a mistake building this family? They're all against me, kind of thing. And Yeah, you I kind of hate this so much. And I know, it could be Zurenar's influence. And even in this, afterwards, he's, he kind of feels like he's fighting it a little bit. I just, I think execution is a really important aspect to anything like this. And I think there's a way you could write this conflict. Um, for, forget the whole silliness part of it, right? There's just... The idea that Zuranar is influencing Batman from within, and he's doing extreme things, and let's say he does this thing to Jason where he takes away his free will, effectively, and the others have to kind of intervene. Like, I think there's a, a good version of that that could exist. There's a compelling version where the arguments make sense, and you sympathize with just about everyone in the scene, because you can understand where they're all coming from. Whereas here, I kind of just ended up feeling like I didn't like almost any of them in the exchange they all come off kind of unlikable yeah yeah that was something i felt like i was while i was reading you know all of these issues was just i kind of hate the entire bat family right now like everyone like they, they all come off as either out of character way too extreme whiny or just a combination of all of those it's it's a polar opposite to how well some of the other books are tackling them whether it's detective or, or, or taylor and nightwing whenever he has babs there and some of the other robins and other writers just get it in a way that i just like i don't even necessarily want to like because obviously teeny howard's doing the catwoman book but this does feel like a zarsky issue more than anything because it's kind of been a problem throughout a lot of his run at this point yeah i don't think he'd had much of a problem with the other voices so much but maybe that's just 
he didn't write enough of them. But like, yeah. like when they were coming after him, when Zuranar was kind of in control, they didn't feel like that badly mm. written at that point. Or at least I don't remember them feeling that bad. No, because that was some of the best stuff. Like them chasing him on the like the, 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 there was the, the the whole car chase issue was quite good, and that was that had a lot of them in it. But yeah, yeah I, I've not. I don't like the characterizations they're doing for any of these characters. Like, I'm okay with having the conflict, and I do kind of appreciate that they seem to have tricked Batman a little bit at the end, because Batman kind of leaves uh, Tim and Dick tied up in a net and just seemingly just leaves the, the, the police, and that will, you know, reveal who they are, that'll do all this stuff. I, I did like the small moment where Dick's then like, okay, he's far enough away we can get up, and they just sort of... So, so they were intentionally waiting so he'd think they were subdued before they actually deal with it. And, you know, I, I don't hate Tim hugging Damien and saying we're going to help her dad. Like, that, that's like, you know, it's a, it's a cheap pop kind of moment to do something like that. But that's that's perfectly fine. It's, it's all it's the aggro stuff. Again, I don't think I'd have it with those two characters because they had such a, like, that's not their relationship. Sure. Yeah, it's more of a Dick and Damien thing, to be fair, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're always the ones that felt more like brothers, but I'm not against them having Tim and Damien bond a bit more. Like, I, I can... I, I'm not. I just feel like that's the sort of thing. That's the summer when you've got to own. Yeah. And I think those two characters have. Yeah. Well, at least it wasn't Jason, though. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's true. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, basically, Scandal Savage shows up to rescue Jason uh, towards the end of the issue. Um... And she she wants his help, but then he starts sweating and he explains that he's not really useful in a, a fighting capacity anymore. And she's like, oh, that's a shame. I need warriors. Bye then. And just leaves them there, <laughs> which I thought was I thought was kind of funny in a, 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 a cold way. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I, I got a chuckle out of it. But yeah, uh, so Batman's thinking about the night his parents died because that's what he always does. Uh, and Zuranar is telling him to take control. So the issue ends with him bumping into Selina. They're going to talk, and we get the the back of the the bookend, which ultimately reveals that Vandal Savage is going to lead this new League of Shadows that Selina has inadvertently built for him. So, yeah, all of her thieves that she trained are about to turn on her. Seemingly, I mean, maybe it'll be interesting if a few of them don't. Maybe some of them will feel loyal to Selina, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't see it. I, I see obviously she'll retain her original core crew, but the rest of them were always just yeah. henchmen anyway, right? That was the whole point, so... Yeah, yeah. I guess I can I, I said this last time Riddler helped a little bit, but I, I do kind of like the idea that Riddler's helping Batman stop all this because, as he says himself, there's a bit of a shortage on henchmen right now, so... Yeah, <laughs> it, it a little bit feels maybe like we're getting towards that Riddler that we had kind of just before the new 52, where he wasn't fully evil he had his own mm. little detective agency yeah maybe maybe uh i mean it's tough to think about it that way because the last red door that i loved was that that one shot that tom king did where he was like the most murderous psychopath <laughs> version that yeah. he's ever maybe been but yeah maybe we are building back towards that i don't know uh but yeah so i you know it's they're at least playing with concepts that uh, there's there's some discussion to be had, if nothing else. It's the main thing going on in DC for a couple of months. And the issues, at the very least, aren't difficult reads. They flow very well, and by and large, they have good art. Like, both art... I think that's the real saving grace, is both issues have great artists. And it helps when there's usually a good, healthy fight scene in each issue. 
Yes, which takes some time away from the the plot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this is going to continue in Catwoman 58 uh, in a little bit, but yeah, so there's the thoughts on Batman and Catwoman. Uh, rating these is a bit weird because they kind of blur together in my head, but uh, do you have a rating for either of these? Uh, sure, they're both fours. <laughs> they're, they're, they're not good. <sighs> I I wish I could remember what I gave the last one. I was I was definitely quite negative on it. I think I'm tempted to give I I feel like they both have some small redeeming moments, right? So they probably do end up averaging out about the same. They both have good art. Like there's some well, I think this I think the Batman issue has more redeeming moments that are actually moments of redemption as opposed to the Catwoman issue which just doesn't have as many out-of-character moments. So that's almost like a, a positive by subtraction as opposed to addition that the Batman issue has. Uh, but I'll be slightly more generous and give them both fives because I do think they're at least easy to read. They flow well enough. A, lot, a large part of that will be the art. It doesn't get overly wordy, although some marks have to be taken off for that, that computer uh, lettering on the Batman yeah. issue. All right, there you go. That was Batman and Catwoman. Uh, so we'll move on to... Oh, we've not left oh, the Gotham same. War yet because everyone to patreon.com slash TV. You can meet myself or Connor read a book at one of the higher tiers. And we do most of these at the end. We've got a bunch at the end this week, but one is pretty recent and is relevant to uh, these these issues. So Connor's going to talk about Batman, Catwoman, the Gotham War, Red Hood, issue one. Yeah. Um, so Rosenberg writing and let me just find out the artist. Rosenberg uh, can be uh, can be not bad. It's it's hit or miss for me. But yeah. Um, Sis Mezia on art, who's pretty solid. Uh, I will say this issue does a better makes a better case that batman did the right thing to jason than anything else however it only makes that case to us because batman doesn't know about what jason's doing in these issues (laughs) (laughs) so it's kind of irrelevant i don't know if that's what the point in these issues are or not but kind of feels like it might be um it's set well it's mostly set before it all kicks off. It's like, you know, it starts off like two weeks before. And Jason's on a rampage, beating up henchmen, trying to find information on the Joker for reasons. I don't know what's been going on. Uh, he's like throwing them in front of buses and then like Selena's going to rescue them, like does rescue them. But J- Jason claims, obviously, oh, he wasn't going to let him get hit by the bus. He was going to stop him before he got you know, smushed and get the he wants the information. And Selena basically recruits him to train her army, her thieves. And but not as thieves necessarily. He's training them to like like the physical side of it. How to take a beat in and how to you know not use weapons so they don't kill everyone. Like yeah, you know, you're not allowed to take guns and stuff. And He's basically just really shitty all issue. Like he he spends the whole time like, he like takes them out on like the the you know to a 
to one of the bars that used to be one of the henchmen bars, but isn't anymore. So it's just a bunch of bikers in there. Makes them give you know give him his weapons, and then go oh final exam. Get through this without fighting back, and then tells the the biker gang that that these two henchmen were insulting their gang, and then just walks out and just lets them get beat up. It's yeah, uh, basically because these two guys um, used to work for the Joker, and he wants information. But on top of that, they also used to work for Scarecrow, and uh, it turns out you know you know they're still terrified of Scarecrow. Jason's like, no, you're just scared of him. You'll be fine. Just get through it. He's wrong. Scarecrow is doing something to one of them because we we get a little bit of oh, he's got fear gas, yeah. He has a nightmare, and Jen's like, oh, boo-hoo, a nightmare. Who gives a shit? Uh, no, it was actually Scarecrow. And the the final bit is Jason absolutely wails on the dude because they, they, they screw up while they're on a burglary, and they uh, alert the people in the building, and one of them pulls out a gun, even though he's not supposed to have the gun, and ends up, like, pulling it on a cop, even though the cop's pulling the gun on Jason. Uh, then he ends up just... The, the, the guy with the gun, the henchman, um, Bash, his name is, uh, lives up to his name and bashes the cop on the back of the head to knock him out. And then Jason goes mad, like fully insane, um, and just starts wailing on him. Um, there's a panel, it's like a, a half-page panel, and it's, you know that effect where you give like the... Uh, the, the 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 motion's going so fast, so they, they do the, like, you know, in this case, it's fists. So you have a lot of extra fists just kind of, like, faded out there, then, you know, to show that, oh, there's a lot of them going really fast. It basically does that. Um, he has to get pulled off by the other henchmen. He's, he's there bleeding. He makes them put all their stuff back that they were, that they were meant to be stealing because they failed. And Selena's obviously fuming with him. Anyway, the next day, you know, Bash is not, you know, he, he doesn't show up. They all assume because Jason just pummeled him. So he goes to find him, and no, he's dead in his apartment. Um, he's been, like, staked through the hands, like, nailed to the wall. He's bleeding from everywhere, cuts everywhere. Uh, there's writing on the wall in his blood that just says, get your own toys, Red Hood. And Steph's here for some reason. She she just shows up. It, th there's no answer to this. Jason's like, why are you here? And she doesn't actually answer that question. She's just like, oh, straight up, goes, oh yeah, there's traces of fear toxin in the air. It was Scarecrow. Um, it's so... It's kind of such a pointless side story that I assume is here for us as an audience to be like, yeah, Jason's off the deep end. Batman's right to maybe stop him which feels like that's not the point of what the main story is doing. So it's kind of weird. And then it's just that he's just so psychotic in this issue. Even, even for Jason, it's, it's like, it's hard to get behind him and, you know, and, you know, root for him as the protagonist in any sense of the word. And then you have like, just like this weird stuff at the end with Steph just showing on me like, yep, Scarecrow, what are you going to do? It just, ah, I really don't like it. I, I like a lot of things in this event, but now it's worse because it's Red Hood. That's uh, just, yeah. It's bad. It's probably less bad than the main issue because there's less characters 
to be out of character mm-hmm. here. And on trend with the event, art still good. But yeah, it's not enjoyable. Um, probably going to be another four from me. Um, kind of wish I didn't have to read the next one, but. You don't have a choice in the matter. <laughs> no, I do not. All right. Birds of Prey issue two, which is legacy number 200 by my count. Uh, Kelly Thompson and Leonardo Romero on the art. So my only assumption for why you might be wrong on that being 200 is because they're not celebrating that. I know. I, I did think yeah. of that. Uh, it was kind of unclear what to include at times. And I actually don't remember if I did or not include Batgirl and the Birds of Prey because DC Wiki was kind of including that as because they were calling this volume five or six of Birds of Prey and they were including that as like volume four or something like that. I would have included it. it is, it's a different team, but it's still Birds of Prey in as much as this is, right? Yeah. But yeah, but if you're doing Green Lantern, you wouldn't include Green Lantern Core. You'd, Green Lantern Core would definitely have its own. Right, but Bag and the Birds of Prey didn't run alongside a different Birds of Prey book, did it? No, it did not, no. That would be correct. So that was the Birds of Prey book at the time. So I think I did include it, and that gets us to issue 200 with this one. Maybe. We'll see. Yeah. So, but, and let, until they come out and say otherwise. This is Legacy Issue 200. I can't wait till, uh, you know, at some point they announce, like, you know, oh, uh, you know, we're, we're hitting a milestone on certain books and you've been wrong for months on some of yours. It's... And that, that'll be interesting to me because I'll go back and try and corroborate what their count is. Because, to be fair, all the other ones, like, I, I worked out Batman and then they put it on the cover anyway and it matched. Now, admittedly, that one was quite easy because they did a special issue 900 thing just like three issues ago. <laughs> but yeah. but some of the other ones like do make a reasonable amount of sense uh, and I understand where the numbers are coming from. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 weird. Um, the one thing you do have to keep in, in mind though with this is with Superman is they had Superman Volume 2 but the original book kept going with a different title and then reverted back to its original numbering. So that's the one case where you just ignore, like, volume two. It's basically its own separate lineage. Yeah, that's interesting. And and that's how they've done it, because if you go back to the last time they celebrated, like, they had the, the issue 800 cover. Like, they were definitely only counting. I, I don't think that's the way I would have done it, but I I get what they're doing. Yeah, it makes sense. Because... If if it was me doing it, I would have counted, you know, volume one up to where it was. When it changed name and volume two launched, I'd have counted volume two from that point on, and then I wouldn't continue with the other numbering until it changed back to Superman. I don't think I agree with that because the original book never ended; it just kept going with a slightly different title. So yeah. I, I, no, I think you still count because it's the same book still, just with a different title. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I think but I, there is another book there called Superman, so that supersedes it. Not if the book keeps going, I don't think. Mm. I think I disagree on this. I, I think the way they've done it's correct. All right, but like, that's the same thing like with the the Green Lion, Green Lion Core. If they'd actually just renamed the Green Lantern book into Green Lantern Corps, and then and then a few months later they launched another Green Lantern book separately. Well, they did rename Green Lantern into Green Lantern Corps uh, back in like the late eighties, I think, or early nineties, somewhere around there, um, which does include does count in the numbering. Uh, yeah, because it's not a second book alongside it, I assume, at the same time. 
no, it does count in the numbering because there is no second book. It just changed yeah, its name, yeah, to Green Lantern Corps. Um, but then later on, when Green Lantern Corps was a, was created as a second book along with Green Lantern, you included it. The thing with Green Lantern that was tricky though is just I had to just make a, a strict rule. I'm not including the Green Lantern. I'm not including Green Lanterns uh, or Hal Jordan, the Green Lantern Corps. Like these are all not Green Lantern. Just I don't know if vanilla. DC agrees with you on that. I don't know if they do. Uh, we'll find out next time they do a like. Hey, we've had a milestone number. I think you either have to because I think correct if I'm wrong from memory. Green Lanterns and Hal Jordan Green Lantern ran at the same time. It did. I don't think others should count though. I think you pick one of them as the as that's the main Green Lantern book at the time, and that's running because that's Green Lantern. I think you just accept that Green Lantern, the book, just wasn't there for a while. And there was and an alternative, alternative Green I Lantern books. I also would have counted the Green Lantern. I didn't. Maybe DC will disagree with that the choice when they finally do a a milestone issue. Yeah, we've got to be due one at some point soon. But we'll, we'll find out. I, 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 can, I can tell you what the last one was. Uh, issue 3, by my count, was issue 539. If it's by their count, it'll be a lot closer to 600. It'll be if over, including, it'll yeah, be over it'll 600. Be over. If, if you're including either Green Lanterns or Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps... Like, when they both only like 50 issues. Yeah, but then if you're also including Grant Morrison's The Green Lantern, then you're over 600. Oh, that's true if you count both. Oh, that is true. So I don't think they count. I wouldn't count them. Obviously, if they tell me they're counting, then... I'll change my number, but this is this is where I'm at, I'm at on it. Uh, okay, Reddit vastly disagrees with you. I can tell you that. I was Reddit saying. Uh, let me just find. I, I've I've got like the preview on the start. Um, Reddit is counting Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern. Uh, if, if, so if you only count the regular issues, then Green Lantern is at 686. If you count annuals and specials... No, you don't count that. You never count that. It's at 700. Yeah, okay. No, you don't. Um, that was before the end of the Green Lantern. Assuming Morrison goes to issue 12, it'd be at 693. I mean, we'll see what DC counts. Uh, this is just Reddit, though. I disagree with that. <laughs> Like if yeah. D, if DC tell me something counts, I just have to accept it. But for now, I I could I could decide what counts based on the other logic of the other books, and I would say that we're at five three nine. Oh, the site that must not be named also had an article about it. Oh, they didn't work it out. Never mind. They were just wondering if DC would start doing it once now that they're doing it for. For Batman and, you know... Well, Batman, Batman was a surprise, though. Wonder Woman and Flash made sense because they just both renumbered. Uh, but Batman was like, oh, they're doing it for that one as well. So, uh, but my count in the last issue of Superman was 849. So, has issue 7 actually been billed as 850? Because, by my count, it should be that. Of, uh, of which book? Superman. Um, maybe it will be. By my count, issue 7 is going to be 850. Uh, oh, we'll find out soon, won't we? Last issue of Night, Nightwing was 293, so we may be getting an issue 300 of that uh, early next year. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, 
So they've not done any milestones for that, so it's hard to corroborate. The only thing that might throw that off by a few is that Nightwing had like a four issue miniseries before his first ongoing, and I don't know if you should count that or not. But it's only yeah. four issues though, so it's not going to affect the number that much either way. But but by my count, two ninety three. So interesting. It is interesting. Not not that I actually care. I'm just I'm just interested to see what they count more specifically yeah green arrow was easy because it's just a bunch of books called green arrow but that's uh the last issue that was issue 337 ah they got a while yet then oh yeah yeah they, they'll be uh yeah and that was basically because there's a lot of books that i there's there's no point you know the only other one that i did that wasn't that high was batman and robin which is only issue like 67 because the grant morrison one was actually the first book called batman and robin so yeah, it's not actually been that many of those. Oh, this is interesting. There's a a different one here called uh, from ComicBinding.com, and in their counts, um, in their counts, they should be. They think we're in the six hundreds. Or what? For Green Lantern. Yeah, well, they must be counting either Green Lanterns or Hal Jordan then, from that. Uh, they counted Green Lanterns and then the Green Lantern. See that's so that's different from Reddit. Reddit did Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern. I I think I probably would have argued for Green Lanterns and that with that Hal Jordan being the Green Lantern core book. <laughs> I think because I think Green Lanterns was the main. You know, that's the oh, this is your following your one lantern on Earth two in this case, but you know that that was your Green Lantern book. I think then the other one was your Green Lantern core book essentially. Hmm. I mean, I think it's okay to admit that sometimes maybe if they're just doing different books that neither are, are, are currently happening, and that's okay. Like, just maybe, accept yeah. it. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Um, because what what happens if you know in a few years' time we have a Green Lantern book and they launch another book called Green Lanterns, and that would be continuing the legacy number of just Green Lanterns. Like, you could you couldn't include that as Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. It's its own separate thing now. The plural books now its own thing that comes back once in a while. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Cause so by this person's count, uh, issue four of this series uh, would be six hundred and fifty nine. Interesting. I can see the argument for Hal Jar and the Green Lantern Corps being Green Lantern Corps because it is in the title at least. So uh, yeah, my argument for Green Lanterns being the main, you know, the Green Lantern book is, it is just the Green Lantern book. They just stuck an S on it to show that it was two people. and it, uh, But it was, <laughs> that is the Green Lantern book. I mean, we'll see what they end up counting. For the, for the time being, I ignored all of that and just went with when it was called just Green Lantern. The only exception being was at the end of the 80s when it changed to Green Lantern core, but kept the numbering going for that little period of time before everything relaunched again, so... Anywho, it's interesting stuff. <laughs> Should we talk about Birds of Prey now? Yeah. I'll intro that again for David so there's a neat intro for the, the YouTube video because otherwise that's a weird long tangent to go on. Birds of Prey, issue two. By my count, legacy number issue 200. Kelly Thompson writing with Leonardo Romero on the art. So, first issue ended with the reveal that we were going to Themyscira on a heist. Well, heist maybe not quite the right word, but it's effectively a heist to get a person to save Prison Black Break. Prison Break, yeah, to get Black Canary's sister uh, and save her, and we get a little bit of context. Well, not all the context, but we get a little bit more context this issue. Uh, but you weren't here for the first issue. I assume you enjoyed the first issue. 
I do. It's rather bloody good, isn't it? Because Kelly Thompson's quite a damn good writer. And Dan Romero's art is gorgeous as well. But I, I think, you know, especially when you've got a, a big team dynamic like this, having a good writer is important. I think specifically Thompson's very good at having characters bounce dialogue off each other. It has a way of making it feel witty and that there's a lot of, like, things being said without it being too overly wordy. It's it's a bit of a talent, to be honest. It is, yeah. So, uh, Zell is not very happy that they're going to Themyscira because she doesn't want to kill Amazons. And Black Canary's like, whoa, 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 I'm a hero. I'm not suggesting we Who kill them. I'm not killing. <laughs> Where the, the plan is to be as stealthy as possible and not get caught. And she's like, what's the it's like, we, we will get caught, but it's fine. We won't kill them. <laughs> uh, and was it Meridian, who's the grown-up version of the girl from Gotham Academy, uh, is like from the future and is giving them some intel and then she vanishes out of the scene. Um, there's a lot of fun little things here as they're debating the possible plans and ideas. Uh, Barda saying I agree with the clown was quite funny. The bit with Harley saying she has a lot of questions and the panels just run off the page. I loved this moment. I think that is... A phenomenal use of the medium and, and the way the art is just the, like obviously it's it's funny anyway but i think the subtle touch of this page specifically and and most of the pages but they have such a strong uh margin around you know the, the panels like just this big white margin and here not only does it run off you know out of margin to the right hand side because it keeps going but also that when it finally comes back in you know questions later when when she interrupts her it's actually coming in off out yeah. of the margin as well i think that's such a great little touch it basically kind of mimics uh like a fade in a movie it if does. you imagine yeah. fading from one point in time to another to just tell that time has passed and she's still going on about the it's same thing a, it's such a unique way of doing it because it's almost an opposite way of a fade because this has such a continuous feeling whereas like the panel doesn't end it just runs straight into it almost as opposed to you know, the, these really structured panels are the rest of the book, which are, if, if anything, more Fade-esque in theory. Yeah. But Harley claims she's got a way to get onto Themyscira, which they're a bit dubious about, like, just going. In fact, just, trust me, just trust me, it's fine, just go with it. In fact, she kind of ignores her at first, and Harley kind of forces her way into the panels a little bit by sticking her head in, which I also thought was quite good. Yeah. Um... So yeah, uh, they all get given like a task to go do to prep before they go to make their way to the docks and go, go on their trip. Um, Zelik goes off to do something, Black Canary goes off to do something, and she sends a little team of Barda, Cass, and uh, who are they with? Uh, it's Barda and Cass, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and they all go off to do different things. Canary goes to see Constantine, uh, which they're going to get something... Uh, I don't think they can actually get into exactly what it is, do they? It's just sort of there's something magical she needs to get from him. And he takes her into the Oblivion Bar. There's a great transition here, actually, where they go through, like, a portal, uh, like a, a rift in the wall, and they go outside the panel and become, like, almost like x-rays on the white background. Yeah. Nice touch. It's really clever. It, it, it does that uh, with, uh, with Zella and Harley as well. Yeah, the next page where... Zealot realizes Harley's following her and it gets upset her, and that's also good. Uh, so they end up, you know, uh, in this place. Uh, what is this place where all these, like, this is magical realm, but there's all these. Yeah, I, I don't know specifically. No, I, I thought you might, but yeah, they end up in a big fight because this corrupt guy that uh, Constantine gets his stuff back from 
to give to Black Canary, has these big uh, dudes in yellow suits. Uh, yeah, they're golems. Yeah, golems, there you go. Uh, and they have a bit of a fight, and it just so happens that all the Birds of Prey have ended up here, so we get them all fighting together. It was like a big gorgeous two-page spread, uh, oh, with the fight happening. Phenomenal. Yeah, they had one of these in the first page, uh, the first issue as well. Uh, they yeah. had one of these two-pagers. Uh, but it's, it's you know, it's, it flows very well, it's another example of the team working together, sets up that kind of stuff. Um... And the, the, the dynamism of the the panels during this this whole section, like in this off kilter world. So, like I mentioned before, how all the panels were like really rigid, uh, you know, really stuck to that margin. In this world, all the panels are slightly diagonal; they're just off kilter, uh, and it leans in or out of the page, you know, depending on which page you're on. Yeah, and like the entire time they're in this world. Yeah. Uh... You might even call it Dutch angles, if you want to put it that way. Uh, yeah, I suppose you could. Yeah, uh, which is, you know, actually there's a really funny moment here towards the end of the scene as well, where Canary's just asking about Barda and Cassie's mission, and Canary, uh, Black Canary says, hey Barda, like, you know, you didn't kill anyone, did you? And Barda goes, they live. And then Canary turns to Cass and says, Cass? And <laughs> Cassandra just sort of goes eh, and like you know shakes her yeah. hand like uh yeah it counts <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah good enough yeah so yeah the the issue ends with them on the boat and they're on their way to Themyscira. there's a giant megalodon and all that but then harley's contact shows up and it's a shark are we gonna brush over the yeah you're gonna need a bigger boat oh yes because quinn is close to quint so she was really hoping someone would make that reference which is fair, right? Yeah, it's all right. Uh, I got a chuckle out of me. Uh, but yeah, so we got there. There's the shark who is the king of sharks. He's not king shark. It is. It's king shark. Is it king shark? I thought I yeah. specifically said it in a weird way to tell us that it wasn't king shark. Okay. No, Nanway's king shark. I thought it was king shark first. Like when I saw him, I thought it was king shark, but then he said his name in such a weird way that I assumed it's, it was. This is more. <sighs> okay. I'm getting more of the uh, the Harley Quinn TV show vibes of this king shark. Okay. Than than other versions we've had in comics, um, which I'm all for because that version's kind of great. But it's definitely not just like mindless, you know, you know, Suicide Squad version. Sure, sure. Um, yeah. So his plan is, or Carly's plan is to use him to control all the the sharks, which are kind of the natural defense of Themyscira, and get well, past all that. All I'm way. saying is, I am going to be outright angry. If at the if next issue when they get through the sharks they they wash up on the shores, if there's not a reference to a land shark, <laughs> then, then I will I will be annoyed. Yeah, that is a that is a callback to Kelly Thompson's West Coast Avengers. For those of you who are not familiar with it, there was a land shark named Jeff. I believe uh, Jeff the land shark has one of those ongoing like Infinity comics that they do on you know the digital ones. Oh yeah. Yeah, so, you know, Jeff, Jeff the Landshark has, has become a thing outside of just that one book now. Yeah, can I point out how the entire team have basically their normal gear, plus, like, a scuba mask ready to go, but Bard has got, like, a bikini on. <laughs> yeah, kind of great. Which, it just, I don't know, she's the... I don't know, she's just... It's just so weird that she's the one out of the group. You would think Harley might be the one who's like, no, I'm going to have a sexy bikini to, to go for the swim. But it's Barda who's like, no, I'm breaking up my swimwear. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get enough of a chance for this. Yeah. I don't know. I'd buy it. I love Barda. Oh, dear. 
no, it, like everyone's bouncing off of each other. It's very nice. I think the the art is is very good, particularly when it comes to the action and the layouts. And, you know, I do think like the faces aren't necessarily to my taste all the time. They're a little bit flat in places, but uh, solid enough. But I think the art really excels when it comes to everything else, basically. Yeah, I think I I understand why you would feel that way. I just don't, right? I, I, I think for me, the faces work. They're so in keeping with the style of, it's not, of what's it, going on. It's not enough to be like a negative by any means, but there's definitely some faces where I'm like, oh, like I, like I think this is the only part of this artist's style that's maybe not completely clicking with me 100%. Mm. I'm I'm into it. Also, I really like how that Constantine looked kind of a little bit older than we're used to seeing mm. Constantine in the regular continuity, which I'm all for. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, uh, I don't know if it was quite as strong as say issue one, because issue one had such the great task of like introducing all the members and having them all bounce off each other for the first time. And honestly, the big reveal of what they were actually getting together to do at the end was quite a big deal. This naturally doesn't have quite the same oomph at the end, but obviously King Shark's a fun reveal, and I'm excited that in issue three we're actually getting into the the heist or the prison break itself. So, yeah. uh, and also the big threat from the future is that you know the Amazons keeping Black Canary's sister there is going to lead to all of their death, which is pretty ominous. So maybe we'll get more context for that as well as we go on. Yeah, I'm, so. I'm sure it'll come up at some point. Yeah. So we rating Birds of Prey issue two. Uh, I'm gonna give it an Eight, yeah, I'll go with the eight. Yeah, that. Yeah, I think that's straight eight. Well, I'm giving it as well. That's good. It's really good. So Shazam issue four, Mark Wade writing with Dan Mora on the art. Uh, we ended the last issue with whatever god it was taking control of Billy because we learned that the gods were basically taking turns. Uh. No, Zeus is not the start of this issue. Oh, no, Atlas then was the one before yeah. Zeus. Yeah, Zeus comes in halfway through and says, no, 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 let me do the flirting kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah uh, you're right. It was, it, was, it was Atlas. Yeah. Uh, and then eventually it's Solomon who kind of tries to break the, the control because he doesn't agree with what the rest of them are doing. Uh, but, yeah, so that, that was a really fun issue last time. This one... It picks off where we left off, which is Shazam or the Captain, as where Mark Wade's really trying to get the Captain over, and I kind of appreciate it. It's like a an evolution of Captain Marvel, but you know, dropping the Marvel. I get it. I don't really like it. Mm, okay. But like it's. I mean, we. I was fine with Shazam personally. Like I know, I know there are still people who insist on it being Captain Marvel. And okay, I I think I prefer Shazam over just the Captain. It's it's all less generic. It it makes him sound less like a I don't know some sort of South American dictator. <laughs> uh, fair enough, I suppose. I mean, it's got a niche to it. I actually, so he, he goes to the moon to fight Gargo, uh, who is like the Emperor of the Moon, and the gorillas have sent him there. Claiming that he has weapons of mass destruction, which uh, that's got all the political uh, in between the surface here. But uh, yeah. I actually did think this guy was quite funny. The way he sort of started yelling lies, slander, you, you know, all that stuff, I thought was quite good. The way he was getting annoyed when 
Billy didn't and, know anything and, about and him. And then like, wait, hang on. Who sent you? And he's like, Ted. Oh, God, classic Ted. Yeah, his face palms. Like, all of that was really entertaining. Uh, and then, obviously, God just steps in and takes control. And we get this little bit in the middle where the Emperor of the Moon is actually working for Queen Bee. And Shazam, or at least Zeus, as he's influencing Shazam, takes quite a liking to her. Uh, meanwhile, the gorillas are launching their spaceship and they've all got astronaut suits on, which was just a hell of a visual, I have to say. Uh, yeah, the, uh, the sequence of them suiting up. Yeah, uh, I mean, the art here is fantastic. That's just, I mean, there's no need when to... When is Moore's art not fantastic? Yeah, I, it's the sort of thing where like, I don't even notice it and then we get to the page where the ape's in an astronaut suit and I'm like, wait a minute, oh yeah, Moore's doing this <laughs> and it looks oh, fantastic. The way he churns out so much art like he does like he he hits monthly books so consistently like you know he's he's got two at the minute i think yeah and i appreciate that the uh, big rifle the ape is carrying is very much like a pulse rifle from aliens as it is yeah that's what it looks like so i do i really like this stuff where shazam's flirting with uh, queen bee and queen bee's kind of getting in on it and she's like you know they're getting really close the kiss is happening and I love what Wade and Co do here to show that Billy's realizing internally that he's about to have his first kiss, and that doesn't feel right <laughs> given the context. So the like, the narration box like shifts from Shazam to Billy uh, over this page, and then he basically kind of forces himself to say Shazam to turn back into a kid, which puts him in danger because now all this crazy shit with the apes showing up and starting a war is all happening around him when yeah. he's a kid and he's, tr- he's trying to like not get killed so all that was good stuff and it's uh yeah solomon at this point reaches out to freddy and like frees him from the mind control that the gods put on him before yeah but let's not overlook that one panel of the gorilla militia coming in and just you know guns blazing and looking just phenomenal like, oh, i was away for a it. second so i don't know if you made the joke but gorilla warfare I didn't. I was avoiding it because <laughs> because it's not. Also, Freddy has a poster that says Space Monkey, which is, I think is just a, a neat little uh, wink wink. Hey. Um, yeah, that poster as well. It looks like um, it looks really similar to uh, Lemire's Primordial oh, comic. Okay. Interesting. Uh, so Freddy tells the, the other kids what's going on, that uh, Billy needs their help, and that the gods have been messing with them. Uh, there's a gorgeous full-page spread of just the apes firing guns at stuff, which yeah, I, I almost feel like structurally it felt like a bit of an abrupt cut to that page, but at the same time, I'm like, okay, yeah, I know this is going on and it looks so pretty. It is. I can see that working like on film, though. I, I understand, like, oh, it's this, this dull conversation in the living room. Smash cut to gorillas shooting guns. What I think might have helped it is just a, a box on the previous page with, like, a scream. Just like, ah, oh, like a war cry. And then you turn the page and see the full page, and that's where he's... Yeah, it, it does it the other way around, doesn't yeah. it? Because it does... Uh, it continues, I think, as Darla's last line uh, on the full page yeah. instead. I, I think just getting a tease so that when you turn the page and get that full page of the war happening, it would uh, work just slightly better, but it's, like, it's a minor quibble. Yeah. Um, yeah, but they, they're all kind of like, okay, we have to try and help, even though we don't have powers. Uh, Mary does. So where's Mary in all this? I'm curious to see if she comes in soon, but... Uh, Wade did clarify with the, the, the two Night Terrors issues that she does very much have powers right now. She's kind of separate, and if anything, like, she's scared that Billy's going to hate her for, like, sort of being independent 
with her powers. Yeah. So I didn't read the second one, but I assume it was still okay. Yeah, yeah, there was good stuff in it. It, it maybe focused a little bit too much on her fighting evil Billy for a bit, but there was definitely some interesting bits in it. She kind of, she basically realized that she she can connect to the other family members and goes through all the other kids' like nightmares and helps them in each other nightmares. And that oh, was like, okay. I get uh, it. which was, it was a sweet, but it, you know, still a tie-in for sure. Uh, so yeah, Billy tries to intervene with a club, and obviously it does not go very well because he's a kid. Um, so yeah, Queen Bee is the one who's you know controlling everything here. She's bossing around uh Gargo, the Moon Emperor, and uh, yeah, she's like, "Where's that boy? We need to find that human boy." And Billy's hiding in one of the ape spacesuits, so it looks really big on him. So you just see like this, like you know, short spacesuit, and like everything's really like baggy and sagging down because he doesn't fit into it. So he tries to yell Shazam, but she zaps him with her powers before he can finish the word. And the cliffhanger is him actually floating out into space and seemingly suffocating. I have no doubt that he's instantly going to be saved at the start of next issue, but this is uh how we're wrapping this one up. Uh. This, I, I feel like the Shazam issues from Wade are really fun, they're really good, and they're... But there's so much going on that I feel like when we talk about them, I'm just, like, spending half the time recounting the crazy plot beats that happen, because they are crazy plot beats. They, they are. It, we're talking about Zeus controlling him and flirting with Queen Bee while gorillas from not-quite-Gorilla City invade the moon in spacesuits and gu- with guns. And that's like on top of the the T Rex is still going on. Yeah, the T Rex is still doing paperwork with the kids when the the kids are talking. Uh, and then we've not even like we barely touched on the fact that Ted lied about Ted the ape that is lied about the nuclear weapons that the Moon Emperor has. They were just motivating Shazam to do that because they want to invade the moon. You said Ted the ape like there was another Ted that you needed to clarify it was the ape. I was just in case people didn't remember who Ted was. Okay. I was like, you know, Ted. <laughs> Ted, Ted the Ape. Ted. Well, just all one thinks I'm talking about that crappy Mark Wahlberg movie, okay? It's not a bear. It's Honestly, my first thought would have been Ted Lasso at this point. My first thought, honestly, maybe it's just because of the way the lines are delivered, but I thought of Breaking Bad because, like, Skyler works with a guy named Ted, and I just remember Walt really going, Ted. Like, because there's a whole, like, is she going to have oh, an yeah. affair with him for, for a bit? Uh, and then, failing that, there's an episode of the hit television show, Buffer the Vampire Slayer, where Joyce starts dating a man named Ted, played by Jim Ritter? Jason? No, Jason Ritter's the son, I think it's Jim Ritter. I'm mixing up the, the names of the father and son, but... Guy from Problem Child. You all know who I'm talking about. He's in Bad Santa. That was one of the last movies he did before he died. <laughs> It wasn't as valid as the earlier reference, but it's still like, I got it in. Uh, you did that. You went out of your way to force this one in. It's <laughs> disgraceful. All right, that's Shazam. Uh, they are as gorgeous. Uh, you know, the, the apes in the spacesuits, the dinosaur on the top hat again, all that stuff. And I especially love the craft of like showing Billy kind of like realizing what Shazam's about to do and that he's, he doesn't want this to be his first kiss with some evil you know space dictator so yeah yeah, I enjoyed all that stuff uh, what are you rating Shazam? 
Uh, that's probably an eight as well. It, it, it's real fun. Very good. Uh, yeah, I, I think I'll bump it to an eight point five. I think I had a really good time with this one. So there you go. So we're back to Patreon books. Uh, now we've got a whole slew of them this week because it was a later week. So Connor's going to talk about Noctera issue fourteen. Yeah. So this picked up right where the uh, the last one finished. They finally got to Eos. And there was the giant luminescent beings, uh, like people, people size, like shaped, but you know, very tall, very luminescent. Uh, it it it's a visual. Um, this issue is the most Scott Snyder issue yet. Would you care to take a guess what I mean by that? For the, for the record, not necessarily a positive or a negative, just depending on your tastes, but it, it goes in Scott Snyder directions. Vampires. <laughs> no, but I mean, probably the second favourite thing. Things got cosmic. Ah, okay. He, he likes doing this a lot, where things get real goddamn big out of nowhere. Um, so, we get the history lesson in this, where... So the, the darkness that took over the, the planet. Turns out that there is actually like a, a being, that, a cosmic being called Nox that lives in the darkness, that is the darkness. And that's what causes all the creatures to devolve into these, you know, base forms. Um, and any time there is light at any point in the universe... The darkness will follow. It always follows, and it has to follow, and it's just what it does. I don't think they're necessarily saying that Nox is evil. It's more just, it's a primordial force. Like, it, it just is. This is what it does. Um, and the only way that they could save this planet at all is by having this outpost of uber-light, essentially, called Lux, which is, you know, the, the light of life, and that's what causes evolution, and that's why... These are such evolved people with the bioluminescent skin. Um, and, the, you know, the, the, the group here, they're, they're not thrilled by this. They're like, oh, but we, we, we got this equation. We could, we could have light on the whole planet. And, and they're like, yeah, yeah no, it, it, it doesn't work. This is why, you know, we ran simulations. This is what would have happened. Uh, so they kind of closed off. They, they, they boosted themselves. And as long as there's this section of light, uh, the the dark can't win is is their logic, um, and yeah, we we get some some glimpses of cosmic Cthulhu esque, you know, space terrors uh, that are coming after them, and it it's it's a whole thing, and it, the issue is mostly spent trying to convince the uh, Sundog convoy that this is the the right thing to do, and you know that they you know they they come and they've got hey we've got we got the equation that you know that my grandpa worked out, and they're like, "Hey, yeah, no, that's great, and then we'll, we'll do it, we'll do it." And then they they run a simulation, but don't tell them it's a simulation first. It just like it runs, and like this this is why we don't do it because everything goes to shit. It just ruins the balance, and every, every all life on Earth will be gone if we do that. So th this is why they don't. Um. Uh. But it turns out, uh, you know, the the final cliffhanger reveal is um. 
Bill was hidden underneath one of their trucks. So Bill's loose and in EOS now. And it's, you know, he's like the, the at, at this point, he is essentially the earthly manifestation and representative of Nox. So it's going to be really interesting to see what he does and see if he can, you know, essentially ruin the Garden of Eden is, is kind of the, the idea. Uh, and on top of that, there's uh, the the flashback stuff is M with his uh, his birth mother that he found. There's all this stuff. Uh, he, he he goes to see her and she's you know didn't realize that who he was. You know, talks about how yeah she was in you know, a bad place. You know, it's 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 not what he thinks. Uh, and there's, there's this whole thing with the broken light switch, like, or it's like. A, a, a vicious landlord has put it on to like save on electricity costs where the lights time themselves out but they time out after like a minute instead of like you know however long it should be uh so the whole time she's constantly there, flicks into darkness she has to manually you know turn the light back on it's obviously you know thematically very relevant with the rest of the book of you know trying to keep the lights on um but at the end of the issue for the you know the end of this issue where it bookends in this is he goes back like a week later uh you know he brings some tools he's like i'm gonna fix the light and she's gone like completely moved out there's no sign she was ever there um and then you know he tries you know the, the, the kid when he tries flicking the switch anyway and now it just doesn't even work at all uh yeah the the darkness is completely in now uh and obviously it feels very very relevant with what's going on now in the in the main book, um, and it's yeah, it's it's really solid. Like I, said, I think it's definitely a slower issue because a a large part of it is just this cosmic backstory. Um, there's not as much action as we usually get from Tony Daniel getting to draw crazy stuff, not crazy action. He he does get to draw the big, like Lovecraftian eyes of like you know this Nox just kind of staring at the Earth and planets exploding like yeah like it's it's a good it's a really solid issue and i think it is i know this is issue 14 i think this is a make or break issue for some people when they're reading this i think this is the book where you're either in or out for the long haul now with the rest of the story because this is the book this is this is the issue where it's like snyder's doing snyder things and up till this point, it's mostly been this kind of action romp, like with this, you know, like horror tinge with Tony Daniels R. And it hasn't been super Snyder-esque in terms of the big grand ideas. I think this one now is like, oh, this is where we are. And get on board or get out here. Um, I'm in. I, I, I really like it. But I can see why some people might read this issue and jump off. Um, but for me, this is a... Solid 7.5. Okay. Uh, my first Patreon book this week is American Vampire Anthology Issue 1. Now you might be thinking, wait, didn't you do that last month? Uh, I did the first half of it last month because it's like an 80-page book, so I split it into two. Oh, uh, that sounds like cheating to me. Over two, it's an 80-page book, right? That sounds like cheating A regular issue is 20 to 22 pages, right? And they got 40 out of me. That, that was more than, more than fair. So... Yeah, uh, so I, I was halfway through. We, we kind of pick up uh, just on the next story here. The only thing that hurts doing it this way is that there's kind of a bookend story. Although, to be honest, it's not really much of a story. There's like two pages at the end of this that kind of, you know, brings it back around. But um, 
so we have this story set in Hollywood in 1925, and it starts off, uh, and this is Frank Avila doing both the story and the art on this one. So it is gorgeous, and the idea of it looking like an old Hollywood like horror movie to begin with is perfect for him, but with the strong oranges that he's known for. Uh, but basically, we see like the end of a movie, and the audience is cheering, and it's this actor who's like chatting up this young wannabe actress, and he's like, "Hey, would you like to meet the producers?" And she's like, "Oh, I'd love to be a star with you." And then we get a flashback to the like the origin of this actor, and it's just ten years ago when he was homeless, he was living under a bridge, he wanted to be an actor, but he wasn't making it. And this creepy looking dude in the distance shows up, and someone's like, "Hey, don't go near him; he's dangerous." But the actor goes anyway. And of course it's a vampire, and the art here is so good, because he steps into, like, like a room, or like a, like a cellar underneath the bridge, and it's like all blue because it's night time, but then it turns into like, like half orange when the vampire shows up, so the orange and the blue just contrast really well. Uh, Frank Avila really is something special, and I wish there was more Frank Avila books. <laughs> like, so, uh, that would just be nice. So the big twist here is those this other homeless guy turns out to be a member of the Vassals and saves him, but then the actor beats the Vassals member over the head with a crowbar and says, hey, vampire, I want to be a Hollywood star. If you can get me into movies, I will bring you people to eat. Like, forever. And he's like, deal. So then the end is back to the 1925 part of the story, where he's taking this young actress back to his place to meet the producers, and it's three vampires, and it ends there. Uh, really simple, but really effective. It's just kind of, it's a showpiece for the art more than anything, but it's a simple story that's just like, okay, this is the sort of thing we knew was going on based on what happened in the first couple of arcs in American Vampire, and this is just kind of like, I don't know, I guess the origin of that sort of becoming part of the system in Hollywood was this idea that there's some actors who just lure people to the vampires as a price for their success. Uh, the next story is a Gil Simone story, and it's actually uh, some backstory for Hattie, Pearl's roommate, again from the story. So this is also 1925, funnily enough. And it's basically her uh, being taken advantage of, not by a vampire, just by a regular, like, crappy producer. Uh, she's lured in in the promise of an addition. She was working in a flower shop, and she's told to come and meet so-and-so, and she comes to this private boat, and this producer basically forces her to give oral sex. And there's this, like, really, like, red page where she talks about uh, how awful it is. Because she, she thinks she's going to... She, she keeps talking about how she's not naive, and she expected this was going to be a sex thing, and that she was going to lose her virginity by doing so. And she was kind of in some way willing to do that, but it was kind of even worse than she thought. And it was just this oral sex. And, like, right after, she was told, okay, you'll get your audition, don't blow it. And, like, the guy who lured her in just kind of talks about her really disparagingly, uh, tells the taxi driver to get her out of here before she gives everyone cl the clap. <laughs> and just very, very awful. And she goes to the audition, and she gets emotional, and she kind of, like, overacts a bit. And they basically all say, oh, you're trying to steal the scene. And the producer's just yelling at her and saying, get out of here, you silly slut. Like, you know, don't you dare ruin my movie kind of thing. It's just this awful experience, and it's all just this backstory, and Hattie's writing, it's all the narration so far has been Hattie writing this letter to, to Pearl, um, and the end of the story is that later, after she's become a vampire, uh, 
she's back on the boat and she comes back for her revenge and the producer that lured her here she's obviously going to kill the old old man producer who actually sexually assaulted her but the man that lured her here uh she's covered in blood and then the final page reveals what she's done to him she's cut off his head and put his own dick in his mouth so it's like the, the body's like sitting on a chair and the head's like sitting in between the legs. So obviously you don't see the junk, but you don't have to. It is a hell of a visual. And especially since this particular story, the art's been very... almost storybook. You know, it's very detailed, uh, very watercolours. And then you get to this last page and it's just like blood. And it importantly kind of mimics the page earlier on where she was describing how the experience felt and it was like she was surrounded in blood. Uh, this kind of mimics that and like she's forced him to in a very different way but kind of live what she felt at that time and then obviously she goes to kill the other guy as well uh so interesting story because it's hattie it's one of the characters from the book and it was just kind of like this is something awful that already happened to her before now and maybe is a, a sort of window into why she was so willing to be a part of the, the vampire world and be who she was in the main story so I think out of the stories, at least in this half of it, uh, it, this feels like the one that's the most, I don't know, tied to one of the characters in the in the main book, uh, and maybe feels the most full as a story. Because uh, the next story is called Last Night, and this is, I, I'd, I'd have to go back to the credits page to see who this was. This wasn't someone that I knew very well. But this is just this uh, singer telling a reporter what happened last night, because she's a singer in this club, and she came in, they performed, but when they got backstage, there was these vampires, and then the vampires seemed to kill everyone in the club, but she just managed to escape. She ran out of the, the fire escape, they thought she was dead, but she wasn't, and the twist at the end of this story is that the reporter she's talking to is a vampire, and he's here to make sure she can't tell anyone anything. Uh, this was probably the weakest one for me. The art's okay, but, but uh, certainly, but I, I think that the reveal just felt a little bit Oh, he's a vampire. I'm shocked. Like, it just felt like the most simple... Yeah, it just felt like the most simple thing you could have done. It didn't really feel like it had anything to say, sadly. So, that was the weakest one. The next story, though, which is the last proper story, is Greg Rucka with Jean-Paul Leon on art. So, yeah. This is from 1940... I think it's just 40. I think it's just a fancy way of doing a zero. Uh... But it's basically telling the story of these guys who kidnap drunks to sell them to ships as workers, or basically slaves at that point. And they get some drunk, and they grab him, and they put him in their cage, which is near the docks. And as time goes on, they're like, wait, this guy's injured, he's got a gunshot wound. And one of the guys pulls out the bullet, and it's a gold bullet. And they're like, wait a minute, this is gold. And would you believe that this guy that they've brought down here is a <laughs> seemingly Skinner Sweet uh, who gets up and and kills uh, the guy who was like checking him out. Um, but yeah, it, it's basically, I think, I think it's maybe setting up something that's coming up because he kind of says, oh, maybe you've found a new partner here. So I, I don't remember this linking back into anything that's been in the book already, but it seems like it's maybe teasing a plot thread that is going to be brought up in, in later stuff. But, uh, I mean, honestly, the story is quite simple. I mean, all the story really is, is, like, waiting for the, the other, you know, shooty drop. Like, what... 
what uh you know what is the vampire connection here when you see the gold billet you're like oh shit like you saw the guy had long blonde hair but you didn't necessarily assume anything uh but this was like okay skinner he's going to kill them and that's that but i don't think it was was quite as fulfilling as a full story as the simone story was uh and the art's obviously gorgeous but the frank avila art was also there so it's kind of hard to say which one you know is you know how you were saying you wanted more frank avila art yeah that's good news for you oh god what is it what's he doing just, just, what, just while we were doing this i was just i was scrolling through blue sky i saw a post from frank avila a little tease of artwork in the upcoming detective comics 1075 <laughs> Get in. so we got presumably a backup story with, yeah. with him but hey i'm into that's it. like 10 pages of frank avila others those, those backups have had some great art already and uh i know ram v's actually writing and drawing one himself coming up Okay, that's interesting. Uh, it's the first time he'll have published anything that he's drawn, so that'll be, you know, interesting to look at. Watch you look like Tom King art. <laughs> no, he, he posted a preview, and oh. honestly, that little tease, it looks really good, like, scary okay. good. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, some people just have all the talent, apparently. Yeah. Uh, so, the bookend, that comes back to it, and this was like, you know, some people tried to assassinate Skinner Sweet by blowing up, or try they tried to sell him his peach pie that he likes but it was actually a bomb but then he opened the box in the diner and the whole diner blew up uh the back half of this backup is just him walking out with seemingly lots of other pies because he's holding like boxes of stuff and he just kind of walks off and drives off but there's another vampire who watches him leave which again is maybe teasing something for second cycle or whatever's next uh but that wraps up the anthology uh you know, as as with any of these anthologies, it's kind of a mixed bag. But there was definitely a couple of stories that I quite liked in the first half, and there was definitely a couple that I liked in the second half. So overall, it's a pretty good time. But there's definitely a few as well that are just kind of, you know, they're just there. They're just kind of worthless, and they're there to pad out the page count. So overall, it's kind of weird. I'd probably just give it like a seven overall because there's enough good stuff in there to say, hey, yeah, there's stuff in here worth reading. Uh, Lemire had a Canadian vampire story, which was quite good, but. Yeah. yeah, another one with all the talents. Yes, yeah. So that said, though, I do think the artists that Lumiere works with tend to be better than his art. I do like wrong. Lumiere's art, but wrong. Don't be wrong. He works with some great artists as well, but Lumiere's best work, all of his best work, is when he's on his own. I, I mean, we can disagree. It's fine. I'm not. Yeah, you can be wrong. We can disagree. The, the only public opinion is on the my only side. thing wrong was the night you were conceived. Con- contraception was decided against. That's the only wrong that, that I can see in this really? conversation. Really, that's the only wrong. Not your massive opinion. No, no, no. It was, it was, it was, it was the choice. <laughs> and then the later choice of like, should we abort the kid? And then your parents said, no, we won't. That was another no, mistake. That, 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 was that, another... Was, that was a given. Cause, you know, very, very Catholic mother. <laughs> okay, so this goes all the way back to the, the origins of the Catholic Church then, okay. Ah, uh, you mean, I wouldn't go that far because, I mean, the, the Catholic Church was a mess. I mean, I mean, it's still not great, but like, it, even in terms of just having its own, like, this is what we do. I mean, a thousand years ago, priests could get married. Was that a bad thing? No, but just more the point of, well, I mean, it depends who you ask, but more the point of like, hey, Priests could get married and have kids and lead armies. You, you don't really see that so much anymore, do you? Mm. Yeah. 
maybe if more priests got married and had like healthy, you know, sex they lives, uh, they, they, like we'd have I know, less. I know uh, Greek Orthodox kids do. Uh, priests do have kids. I, I went to school oh. with two two. You know, there were, there were twins, which is why they were married. But okay, there, that's, there, that, there was a whole family. That, this is a drugs. stupid tangent. The, the whole point was is that I wish you were never born. That was the, that was the point. Okay? Yeah, I was distracted from that to prove myself right eventually, somehow. I, I, you failed miserably. Let us move on to your next Patreon book, uh, which is Tim Drake, Robin Issue 10, which the patron has been waiting on this for some time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in my defense... I don't think I've been on since it was last published. Fair enough. Yeah, other than last week, but it was a very busy week last week. Um, I'm glad it's over. Book is so bad. And right, so I'll, I'll tackle. There's there's two main threads. I'll tackle one of them up until like the intersect, uh, because it won't take long. It's Tim. He's been kidnapped by. He doesn't know what yet. He's. You know, we had the Chaos Monsters, so he, he was attacked by Chaos Monsters, kidnapped. He wakes up in a labyrinth. He gets, he's, he's you know, wandering through the maze. It's, it's a lot of traps. He finally gets through. He gets a vision of his dad and has to fight it and, you know, and like prove that he's better. And then he gets through that. He passes the test. And then the, it turns out it's this cult that's kidnapped him, this cult that worships Chaos. And they kidnapped Kate because she infiltrated before... And managed to get one of their cult leaders, like the son, got him out of the cult. But then he couldn't live on the outside because he was so dependent on the cult and didn't know what to do. And that demanded retribution. So they've kidnapped Kate and they've got her like, like tied up on a big stone altar, like ready to sacrifice her. And Tim's like, "Oh no, you, you don't don't let go. You kill me instead. Sacrifice. I'll sacrifice myself." And and they're like, "Okay, sure." And you know they're performing a ritual and. Tim's just trying to delay a little bit until the rescue arrives, which is where they intersect. Now, the rescue. Go all the way back. You've got Bernard, who's at this point knows that Tim is Robin, but Tim doesn't know that he knows. He's going to the boat. Doesn't realize he's missing yet. He's gone to the boat to find him, to speak to him. One of the neighbors is like, um, yeah, I should probably tell you. Tim was kind of in there, and... Uh, Robin was in there, and uh, Robin had left some clothes lying around, so thought you might want to know what your boyfriend's been up to. And, and Bernard's like, oh, 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 oh it, it's, it's fine, don't worry about it. Um, and then he goes off to get more help, and he goes, I think next is, is it Batman next? Uh, he, go, he goes, he does, to find Batman, he goes out onto the roof at night, with a torch, a little, little tiny little torch, and he holds the torch in his mouth and puts his hands and does a little shadow to make a little bat. And this torch is nowhere near strong enough to make a light on on the sky. It's 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 no bat signal, but Batman shows up anyway, and he's like, "Oh yeah, Tim needs your help." And uh, and then they all just show up, and so by all to show up to rescue Tim, I mean. You've got Bernard at the front, you've got Bruce, you've got Cass, you've got Babs, you've got Dick, you've got Steph, you've got Damien, you've got the cop from this book that's been going on, that detective. And uh, and then you've also got like five of the marina people, you know, the, the people who just live on the other boats, his, his, his neighborhood there. 
So I guess they all know he's Robin now? It never addresses that. We never have Bernard explaining to them that, oh yeah, by the way, Tim is Robin. It was just a, yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. But by the way, Tim might need our help. And then all of a sudden they're all here to rescue Robin. And yeah, there's a big fight. There's a couple of, there's a two-page spread, like, like nice layouts of, of this fight sequence going on. It looks pretty good. It's um, Sismesia on art. Uh, obviously, I, I talked about earlier with the uh, Red Hood issue. It, it stuff's good. Um, I think it's better in that other book. This book, it's still trying to be a little bit Rosmo-esque with the really heavy inks. Not rounded, at least, though, so it's okay. Uh, and and yeah, and and this is the end of the book. Tim being like, yep, sometimes, you know, they're all just sat around on the, by the boats, having some lunch. Being like, sometimes you just got to accept that you're loved. And and that that's how it ends. And yeah, I, I kind of hate this. This cult just kind of came out of nowhere. There's just, oh yeah, we're, we're, you, they've got Kate, they've got all, all tied to an all their sacrifice. It's just, they've got a big massive labyrinth under Gotham that with traps, like, what? what? And then now everyone knows that Tim, like all, all the people in his life seem to know that he's Robin. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not very good. I'm glad the book's over. I mean, don't Which hurts, still... I, 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 this, why is it always a monkey's book? Every, every character I want a book for, it's like, you can have a Tim Drake book. Finally, you can get it. And it's this. Don't be happy yeah. that it's over. Be sad that it happened. Yeah, I'm miserable. I've been miserable for months reading this thing. <laughs> uh, oh, I said the, the, like, the, the back like four issues weren't quite as bad because not Rosmo, but it really showed the writing didn't pick up. And, I mean, the fact that it got cancelled after 10 issues kind of proves that it wasn't that... It, it can't have been a particularly popular book. I think you secretly... Which, you love Riley Rosmo Hart. You secretly sing Come On Rosmo to the sound of Come On Eileen in the mirror every night, hoping for more Riley Rosmo to look at. I slightly hate that I knew it was to Come On Eileen before you even explained <laughs> like, to it. Of course it was. Like, <laughs> come on, Rosmo. Come I, I on, just... Rosmo. Uh, I love oh. your big heads. Come on, Rosmo. <laughs> I've got to read another Rosmo book next week. <laughs> uh, why, re- why does the world hate me? You, you, you get what you put out into the world, Connor. Uh, that's fair. <laughs> I do put a lot of hate into the world. But in my defense, it, the world deserves it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give it a, a 4.5. It's not as bad as previous issues. It's just kind of pointless at the end. It, it just falls flat. It has no emotional weight. But yeah, it's fine. It, it read okay. Okay. Well, my last Patreon book, and the last Patreon book in general for this week, is Batman and the Outsiders, issue 7, Mike W. Barr and Jim Aparo. Uh, this is part two of the story about, uh, oh, what was his name? Cryoman? The, the cry- cryogenic... <laughs> I don't know, I can't remember his name. Uh, I was not here last time you spoke about this. No, you were not. Uh, it was interesting, though, because it's obviously he's got a freeze ray of sorts so it's like oh another ace villain in dc my 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 how many of these, these we have there was some interesting elements though because he's actually from the past and he's cryogenically frozen both his wife and like two other like another couple 
who all kind of did this together to try and survive a potential nuclear war they thought was going to happen. And now this villain has woken up in 1983 and is trying to basically stall and figure out a way to save his wife because his wife's now got like a, a disease of some kind uh so there's a bit more lore to him than some of the other ace villains which is kind of interesting and at least his name it wasn't just because he's freezing things like it, there is actually like a cryogenic sleep kind of element to his story uh so yeah it's a whole it's a whole thing but at the end of the last issue uh he froze most of the the team most of the outsiders he kidnapped katana but froze the rest of them and they're all in the street just completely frozen and there's some bystanders like hey should we try and help them maybe we should hit them with a crowbar and someone says yeah but what if it shatters them what, what if it just that just breaks them so they don't know what to do it ends up being halo who kind of like is able to from within like turn on some of our powers uh that kind of produce heat and break out of the ice and that helps them all um uh, Katana, though, gets a pretty cool scene where she's, so she's strapped to a table and the bad guy is like, okay, I'm going to, like, steal some of your organs to do a transplant for my wife. So, sorry about this, but it needs to be done. I love her. Blah, 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 blah. And Katana does this thing where she is able to get her foot out and she kicks the guy's, like, red robot that he's got and it bumps into the tray of, like, like tools and, like, scalpels and stuff that he had next to the, the operating table. And it kicks up a scalpel, which Katana catches in her mouth and then starts cutting at the restraint that's over her chest with the scalpel in her mouth. It's a really fun page. Like just, it's just, just kind of like, oh, she's doing like a sort of... It's not even a John Wick thing. This is more specific than that. This is just like a... a it's the, just badass like precision in the way she sort of kicks this thing up, catches it in her mouth, and then starts freeing herself. And she does free herself. Uh, and the only reason she gets stopped and is sort of recaptured is because it turns out there's a second robot. This guy's got like three red robots and the second one grabs her and he's spraying like freezing, you know, freeze rays at her and stuff. Uh, she does make an effort to fight back still, but they just zap her uh, with elect- electricity and that's her. She's down for the count. Uh, so she does need saves, but they give her a good jolly try of like being a badass and being cool and almost getting away. So, you know, they don't disservice her too much. Uh, also, Jim Gordon had a stroke recently. <laughs> the cop that shows up is like, yeah, Gordon's not here, even though this is a Batman-related thing, because he's got a stroke, or he had a stroke and he's recovering from it. Uh, I almost said he's having a stroke, which is a very different implication uh, to the medical term. But uh, you, you do have a stroke. Yeah, but you don't really say it in the present tense. You don't say I'm having a stroke whilst you're having a stroke. I mean, I suppose you could. I mean, you, you could say you could say he's having a stroke. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you could. But it's a weird thing to say unless you're in the same room with them and you're saying, "Hey, we need medical attention. He's having a stroke." That in context sounds right. When you just say out of the place, if I was just talking to someone and said, "No, Carl's not here. He's having a stroke," that sounds a bit different. It does, but in context of someone saying it about themselves, I assume they're like, "Please help me. I'm having a stroke." <laughs> <laughs> I hope if I'm ever having a stroke, I, I, I'll have the, the, the wherewithal to realize that I'm having a stroke and can tell someone I'm having a stroke. Call the yeah. call the ambulance, please. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's pretty funny. Anyway, uh, so yeah, Halo breaks them out of the ice with her powers and they're still kind of learning what her powers work, but it's like, obviously she taps into different energies and like the red one seems to be the heat, which makes some sense. Uh, so they point out that maybe they all survived that as well as they did because they're all not really human anymore except Batman who's just like I'm fine I'm Batman 
but the others are kind of speculating. Well, I'm not entirely human. I'm Geoforce. Metamorphos, you know, he's like he's probably the most unhuman out of the bunch of them. But uh, so they go uh, looking for uh, Katana, and we get this great visual at one point actually. Well, this is a little bit later, but later on when they're flying towards where Katana is, uh, Halo and uh, Geostorm are flying because they can, but uh, or is it Black Lightning? Whatever. But Batman and one of the other ones are just standing on Metamorpho, who's turned into a big disc, and he's flying. <laughs> and I just I don't know, I thought that was quite funny. It was a funny visual. Uh, but they actually find Katana though because when they they find her her blade, her her literal Katana. Um, sort of on the, it's actually stuck in the the roof of the the tunnel that they're near uh, on the road, and when Halo picks it up, the voice from the katana starts talking to her. So keep in mind, none of them knew that her dead husband was in the sword. This is something that's like a shock to her, and something she brings up later. And hey, I know about your sword. There's a dude in there. What's going on with that? But they bring that up later. Uh, I love she tells the rest of them, but she she talks to Black uh, Katana herself about it. Um, but they fly off and go looking for her, and the sword leads them to where she is, and Katana's about to be operated on, it's really the last possible second, but they show up, invade his little base, uh, some of them rip apart his robots, and that's all fun. Uh, it's only Batman and Geoforce that are coming in. Metamorpho has turned into a big, like, drill, and inside the drill is Black Lightning and Halo, and they're drilling to come up from underneath. So they drill underground and come up from underneath and, you know, pop out. But ultimately, you know, they have a bit of a fight with her, her, her cry- Chiromancer, or whatever he's called. <laughs> Chiroman, Chiro thing. But effectively, the big ending for the most part, because they've, they've got them beat, and they go over to the test tubes or the containers that have the other people in them. And this was established last issue that they can kind of like telepathy their way out. Like they can talk to people who are there and they do. Like they kind of explain why they did what they did and they were supposed to wake up in the 50s. Like that's what their plan was. And it's, uh, and they've been lied to actually. The, uh, the, the, the villain has been telling them that it is the 50s, but he's also been telling them that there was a nuclear war and that it's a wasteland outside so that they can't wake them up yet. So he's been kind of stalling even to them. And they all basically say, no, we, we don't want this. And they, somehow they all zap the bad guy. Uh, they all say that they're rejecting him. Uh, and then they they want to be, basically, their, their life support to be turned off. And they all die in the, the cryo sleep tubes uh, by their choice. And that's kind of it. So, um, yeah, Batman critiques them for running away from the world instead of facing it. And that's why they've met this grisly end so it's it's kind of an interesting little two-parter just in terms of the the wacky backstory that led to this villain and all the things surrounding him um i did enjoy halo learning about katana's sword that was a fun moment uh there's maybe less character interplay stuff there was a lot of that last issue in the first part this one was a bit more action and villain focused but that was okay because it was the second part of the story and uh, next time we're doing something with the phantom stranger as the little teaser says at the end so looking forward to that but uh, no, it was, it was a fun two-part. I think one of the things that I'm really enjoying about this book, which was less in this issue, admittedly, but I did enjoy the villain stuff in this issue, but the book's been doing a good job of having a lot of day-to-day life stuff. You know, last issue had, like, Halo being mad, she had to go to high school, and but then being excited because there's boys there, and then it, you know, it, it, like, 
their their interpersonal relationships is like the thing that's really fun about this, and then the villain stuff is kind of secondary. But this was a solid wrap up to what they set up last issue, and I'm looking forward to the next one. So uh, it's a solid eight out of ten, I think. Oh, also, I think the next issue is a Christmas issue, by the looks of it as well, based on the cover. So, so we're getting Phantom Stranger and Christmas presents. So fun. Uh, and by the time I do this, it'll be uh, it won't be December. It'll be it'll be the start of November probably, but still. That's assuming there's another week at the start of November as dead as this. Yeah, I mean, technically it should be the end of October, but given that week one's really quiet, I've been pushing the books to week one of the following month just because, you know. Have they been like that pretty consistently then? Last few months, yeah. And, I mean, imagine if all we talked about this week was Catwoman, Batman, Birds of Prey, and Shazam. Like, <laughs> the show would have been over an hour ago. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm just looking at week one for for next month. Just at a glance. There's a, there's a tech. There's the end of the Gotham War stuff, Spirit World, Supergirl Special. I'm not even sure if that's anything new. Oh uh, yeah, I think it is. Uh, they didn't start a while ago. Yeah. A Return of Superman 30th Anniversary Special, which who cares about that? And Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom Special. Is that movie even still coming out this year? I think it's still slated for December. I got a trailer for it when I went to see Expendables 4. Just to add insult to injury. <laughs> well, uh, the uh, the Supergirl special is Tamaki stuff. It's Tamaki. Well, it's new Tamaki story though. Yeah. Yeah. So it's that, worth reading. I'll, I'll definitely yeah. look into that. Yeah. Uh, so we, I mean, have more than this week. For, yeah. Uh, yeah. Not a lot though. A couple of them are specials though, and Detective clearly must have been pushed. Well, the Detective's going double shipping for a few months. That's why there's one. Is, yes. one. Uh, so anyway, that'll take us out of the part of the show where we pick our favourite stuff of the week, favourite panel slash moment, favourite cover, favourite art, and top five, or in this case, top four <laughs> books. Uh, and arguably, we, should, we shouldn't even count Catwoman, technically. Oh, uh, yeah, I wasn't counting that. <laughs> uh, so maybe just top three, I guess. So uh, what was your panel slash moment of the week? Um, and let me, let me guess, it's from Birds of Prey. Well, that could be from Shazam, actually. There's, there's, no, it's there's, from Birds of Prey. There's, there's two books that all of our choices are probably going to come from, right? Let's yeah, be honest. It's- it's from Birds of Prey. Um, it's and I'm I'm going with the the Harley Quinn the panel runoff. I just love that sure. sequence. Honorable honorable mention though, still Birds of Prey. Just the I agree with the clown from Barda. Just with her mm. pointing right at Harley. Just I love that. That gave me a good chuckle as well. Yeah, yeah, that's all fair. I think I'll go with Shazam actually. Then I think I'll go with uh, where the kiss almost happens. I just think that's handled really well and interesting mm-hmm. from the way Wade and the. Yeah, I don't, I'm sure Wade suggested it, but the way the lettering is sort of a part of it, the art's a part of like, all, all, Everything's a part of making that little transition work, and it's, it's well done. It is, yeah. Uh, all right, cover of the week. Not a lot of choices. I will say... Uh, None of them even really jump out at me as being particularly Yeah, I've, I've got two that I'm picking from. I think I will honorable mention the regular Birds of Prey cover. I think it looks yeah. it's just nice. Uh, but my pick is the Chris Samney variant of Shazam. Yeah, that's that is nice. It's it's quite a simplistic thumbnail cover. Yeah, but it is solid. I was really uh, someone may have seen me pulling a face at some point during one of your Patreon books. I was looking through covers. All right, <laughs> and I I clicked on it's one of the Shazam covers, the the Mary. And in small, it looked okay. So is this is over-sexualized and, and, and stuff? It, it's, it's not. It's not even that. It's just like the face is. It's it's horror. 
like you have to look at it. It's like it's like a doll's all plastic right, waxy right. thing. It's I'll I'll go have a look. I'll go have a look. It doesn't. It, it it's fine in the small thumbnail. Oh dear. Okay. Yeah. It does look bad. Yeah. It's like nightmare fuel. Like um, if you ignoring the head, the rest of it looks like a solid for that style. But the 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 head is. Yeah, because it's like I say, it's not an overly sexualized one at all. It it's, looks like um, if you ever watched the last Twilight movie when they try to CG a face I, onto the I baby's. Hate that I have. <laughs> they try to CG a face out of the baby's face. It's giving me kind of vibes of that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No, that was a unfortunately horrific. I, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give a shout out to the Frank Cho Batman cover. It's kind of the the, the purple background with. Batman and Catwoman on. I think that's quite nice. But ultimately, I'm going to go with just the regular Birds of Prey cover. I just think it's really dynamic and nice. I just, I just think it's a great piece, uh, the way it uses its negative space just as effectively as inside the book as well. Yep. All right. Best art of the week. I think this is the one category where all three books put in a really solid performance. Like It's the, it's mm. the only book that Batman's even in the conversation but it's still not going to win. Uh, it's still the weakest of the three, and this time it's a lot closer, though, but Jimenez is just... It's not quite on par with the others. I'm going to go with Birds of Prey, even though... I, you know, it's, it's a toy cost. If, if you yeah. told me to pick Dan Moore, I would. I like the overall aesthetic of Birds of Prey, and I think it does some really inventive stuff with the panels, but I think I still have to edge it out to Mora uh, for Shazam. Uh, That's fair. I, I mean, both, both are yeah. phenomenal. It's just clicking on every front. I, I think what's good, though, is that they both have their own look and feel, and they're both, like, complement the stories they're telling, and that's just, you know, you can't really complement art much more than that, really. So, uh, rank the three new books that we read this week. Yeah, um, I'll probably put Birds of Prey first over Shazam, just. Like, it's really close between the two. And then, yeah, yeah, Batman's just somewhere down there after a gaping chasm yeah i will slightly switch shazam to number one and birds of prey at number two very close though and then batman at number three yeah there you go super uh, super exciting right <laughs> they're, they're, they're both pretty similar really aren't they in terms yeah. of quality yeah so uh next week though this is where i'll tell you what's coming out next week so we have green lantern issue four we have batman and robin issue two world's finest teen titans issue four Superman Lost Issue 7, Superboy The Man of Tomorrow Issue 6, which I think is the last issue of that. Uh, we have Danger Street Issue 10. We have Batman City of Madness Issue 1, uh, new black label. I'm really looking forward to because I really like Christian Ward's art. Yeah, it looks good. Yeah, Christian Ward did that Aquaman black label book not too long ago, which was really, really nice uh, art-wise. Yeah. Uh, then we have Wesley Dodds The Sandman Issue 1, which I am excited for, except the artist. Connor's uh, excited I, though. This is this is why uh, he keeps saying, "Come even, on, uh, John, even the preview. There's like the second page of the preview. I'm like, why is he shooting Richard Nixon? <laughs> it's not Richard Nixon, but you will know what I mean when you look at that page. Very good, very good. So that's what's coming out next week. Uh, not a super busy week, but a little bit more than this. So we'll see how that how that pans out. Uh, but that is what's coming. So, uh, in fact. I'm just curious if if they added legacy number to Green Lantern. No, they haven't. Okay, I checked the cover. We'll have to go with my numbering then. Oh, we'll have to, will we? I I dispute your numbering. 
you can dispute it all you want, but... Everyone else on the internet disputes your numbering as well. They might not agree on what it is, but all of them agree it's higher <laughs> no, than no, yours. No. See, here's the thing, here's the thing. If, if they all agreed on a number and I was just different to all them, that's one thing. But the fact that they all have different numbers I, makes mine just say, as valid as any of theirs. I will say they all include the Green Lantern in theirs. And most of them are doing either or Green Lanterns or Hal Lutton Pals. And I can, I, can, I, can, I can accept your argument for excluding both of those. I can't accept why you're including, excluding the Green Lantern, aside from the fact that you don't like it. Oh yeah, because I like everything else that I included in the numbering. <laughs> you might do for all I know. You want me to include the Green Lantern? Okay, fine. It adds on what, 24 issues? Something like that? Yeah. So, you know. Still under 600, though. I'm not having it this. It did have a three-issue mini in the middle, but I don't know if that had a different title. I'm pretty so sure that did. I, I, I would exclude yeah, that. Yeah, I think that is a different title. I wouldn't include that. Uh, but anyway, so there you go. That's uh, that's the that's the, that's the show. That is Cosmo Multiverse. Um, it is worth mentioning, it is October, so if you're not familiar with all the movie podcasts that come out of Mail Fuzz Movies, that uh, I am a part of all of them, but I, I do one with, with Tim, I do one with Dara, I do one with David, um, but... We, one of the shows with Tim is the horror movie podcast, which is especially no- notable during October, especially since we do a lot of extra episodes in October. So we're doing about three episodes a week all throughout October, uh, reviewing lots of horror movies. You can find that over in Mail Fuzz Movies or, of course, on the Streams After Midnight podcast feed if you'd rather listen to the audio version. Uh, but if you go check that out, you can see all the other things that, that we do, uh, as well as Mail Fuzz TV. But you can, if you join the Patreon and support Comics in the Multiverse, you're supporting all that stuff, and you get bonuses for a lot of it, uh, as well as a little bit early access to this show. So, uh, yeah, go check it out. And we're on Blue Sky now. Oh yeah, we are. Yeah, uh, it's just a, uh, it's just one Blue Sky account for everything. So it's just a Mail Fuzz TV, I think. I'd have to go look at it. I'm not used to it yet. I, just, I, I literally just made the account a few days ago. I, I, it's so fresh. I see what, I, I've, I've got it open. What, where I, but I assume I followed you. Yeah. You are Mildfuzz TV, yes. Yes, but it's like social. but everyone has that at yeah, the end. They're so. all that, yeah. Yeah, so whatever, yes. Uh, but there you go. That is, the, that is the show. So thank you very much for joining us. We always appreciate it. And of course, you know, Keep reading DC Comics, keep singing Come On Rosmo on Connor's behalf to well more Rosmo art into existence. This is how you get me to hate the world more. (laughs) Uh, We'll see you next time, guys. Keep reading DC Comics, but remember to never get lost in the Speed Force.